rolling, guys. This is Kaiju Transmissions. I am your host, Bird, and with me I have my co-host. Matt. Hello, Matt. And with us is a frequent guest, um, Mr. Trevor, or, um, (laughs) yeah, Trev3K is what uh, the kids like to call him. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. The, or something that... the, the kids don't really go around calling me Mr. Trevor as you just did, but well, you're a <laughs> will you teach? Do your students call you that? They just call me Trevor. Oh, that's lame. Sorry, you gotta you gotta like you gotta have some authority in how they address you. I I, I do all right. Okay. This podcast is going downhill real fast. <laughs> oh, well, I mean... It's not going to get much better. <laughs> uh, so we're here. We're not here to talk uh, necessarily about... We're not here to talk about kaiju. We're here to talk about robots. Uh, and we... Which I feel kind of live in that kaiju world. Yeah, enough. yeah, you know, there's there's some, when they're giant giant robots for sure. Yeah, there's some DNA shared there, um, and uh, we're actually here. Believe it or not, listeners, we are going to talk about the Michael Bay series of Transformers movies. Woo! <laughs> there's a lot of booze. I can hear I can hear people turning off. Like, well, I, look. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll, I'll let, let's let the cat out of the bag. I guess I'll apologize right off the bat because this episode was my idea. I pitched it to you guys, and, and the but to, to be fair, the very specific thing I said was so before anyone turns it off, I just said, "Hey, it might be an interesting conversation to talk about why did these movies seem to catch on with American audiences more than the typical kaiju films do." Now you can say, and I'm sure we will talk about how the new one's not doing very well, but let's not act like this wasn't a very successful franchise for a long time. Um, and just, to, you know, like these are bigger hits than, say, you know, like the recent Godzilla or Kong films were. So it's it's just a question of why, or even Pacific Rim, you know, which is probably a better comparison. Um, so I just thought it was interesting to say, like, hey, let's talk about why American audiences are more predisposed to liking something like this than maybe like the more... Japanese infused kaiju. <laughs> well, aside from the nostalgia factor and how huge Transformers was in the 80s and 90s, I don't know if we're going to be able to come up with a reason for this. Uh, I think, no, I think we can. Okay. I, I mean, I, yeah. Um, and I then, think. and you know, at first I scoffed at the idea. Now, listeners, before oh, you touch... Scoff hard. Before you touch that dial, I got to thinking... You know what? Giant robots have their place as well. And Transformers is technically a Japanese property or, you know, they're, they're Japanese toys. And, I, you know, I, after some careful consideration, I said, you know what? I'll allow it. And here we are. Um, mm-hmm. I... Well, I was damned either way because if I didn't do it here, Trev was going to put me through it for our <laughs> other show, If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It, which you can also listen to on, on iTunes and, and subscribe and like us on Facebook. Uh, and you know what? I, I, 
I was damned if I do, damned if I don't. And lately, Trev has been, uh, really this last year, has really been on, like, a, a mission to ruin me with however many awful franchises he can. Um, he's trying to broaden your horizons, you know? <laughs> he's put me through the Resident Evils. Uh, he's attempting to get me to watch all, what, nine, ten Hellraiser movies in a single sitting. Aren't you doing uh, American Pie? Yeah, he's trying point? to get me to watch all the American Pie movies for some reason. I Including think, the straight-to-video ones. Yeah, oh, which gosh, there's man. something like eight of them. So mm-hmm. I, think he, I think he's just determined to kill me at this point. Um, but you know what? I mean, you I, can't, you can't, a man can't survive on kaiju films alone. I'm just trying to help uh, you, you know, experience some more of the world. Well, we, we agree with that, but I, you're, you're like scraping... No, for why? Well, first of all, I, I take offense at calling the Resident Evil series an awful <laughs> franchise. That's an. I awesome mean, that, that, that's that's fine. I'm I'm not going to argue that point. But like American Pie, straight to video. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I I guess I can't say anything. I did like Things Killing, which if you haven't seen that. <laughs> no, we've seen Things Killing, but you know, it's also you can't appreciate good cinema unless you see enough bad cinema. I believe. So. Trev, we've watched so much. <laughs> I don't think we we need uh, like to just a, a huge influx. We we consume bad cinema constantly. Yeah, well, a little more ink in you. For the record, I had to make a deal. I had to make a deal of some kind with Bird to like make this happen. I had to convince him to do like ZRAM and Giver and stuff. I was like, we're gonna do these soon. We were gonna do those episodes anyway, but I had to like say, no, we're gonna do these in the next couple months. If I'm going to subject myself to Transformers. Yeah, I mean, that was the the real holdout on this episode. And then, like, after, like, weeks of holding out, he, like, zoomed ahead of us and watching him somehow. <laughs> I just marathoned him because I'm like, I'm just going to get the torture over with. I guess I'm a, I don't know, glutton for punishment or something. And, <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know how that happened. And then Trev was, you, Trev was out of town for a couple weeks. Or something. Yeah, they don't need to know this whole backstory. Yeah, yeah. It took forever for us to finally watch the fourth or how many of these the damn things one. are there? The fifth uh, one. And then after that, we went right into G Fest, and then after that, Trev went right into uh, San Diego Comic Con, and mm-hmm. here we are. We're um, lucky we saw. I mean, that fifth one. We were. I think I was like, eh, it doesn't matter when we see it. These are always a huge hits. It'll be out for like months. Oof, good thing we saw no. it when we did. Bro. <laughs> it was not. Uh, <laughs> Well, speaking of San Diego Comic Con, Trev, uh, this is the first time. I, mean, I feel like I, I haven't talked to you in forever. Um, mm-hmm. You, you were going every year. You stopped for a little bit, and this was your first year back. Real, what was? I mean, how how was it this year? Uh, it was fun. I was just talking to you guys before we started recording that the con itself was maybe a little lackluster this year. Um, I feel like it really peaked as an event a few years ago, you know, that when that initial MCU boom happened and nerd stuff became like what rules the cinematic world, Comic-Con blew up big time. And, uh, you had every studio there doing these awesome panels and all these crazy interactive, uh, you know, attractions on the show floor and in the city outside the convention center. And that's really kind of started to die off a little bit. I, I, my speculation, as I was just telling you guys, is that. The studios have started to realize that they don't need to sink that kind of money into Comic-Con. Um, films that are huge hits at Comic-Con don't necessarily always translate to actual box office successes. So 
and and the films that are going to be hits like Star Wars or the new Marvel film, maybe it doesn't really need to start that push at Comic-Con anymore. So I think studios are just kind of being like, well, why bother in a certain sense? But um, they still take it somewhat seriously. And it's it's not just that there's nothing there anymore. Uh, it's still a huge event. It's still gigantic. It just seems like it's flattening out a little bit. That said, it's still always awesome to be there. Um, it's great because, like it's, you know, it's this huge nerd event. And if you're into genre stuff and geek stuff, then you're going to have a blast just walking around, meeting people, people watching, seeing the cosplay, seeing the different uh, things being sold on the show floor and the different attractions. So, yeah, I had a good time. All right. Are, are you a social butterfly at these things? It's, you know, it's pretty easy to strike up conversations with people when you're waiting in line or, uh, you know, sitting down for a panel. Um and then you're, I mean, I'm there with a big group of friends, so we're kind of together quite a bit, too. So, yeah. Right. That's actually one thing I will say about Comic-Con, what I liked about it, is I was thinking about that today. Uh, coming off of um, some conversations that go on in, in some of the threads that we're in on Facebook, and I realized one thing I really like about Comic-Con is it kind of rejuvenates me in terms of, like, actually liking movies and loving them. Because Comic-Con is somewhere where you're surrounded by people who feel no shame in just being excited and... Um, into everything and i tend i'm friends with a lot of people who are very cynical about movies <laughs> and it, and I, I know i sometimes fall into that too and and i feel like it too often a lot of us go into like blockbusters and the summer films now with this like attitude of like well maybe it's gonna be good but i'm gonna find the things that are bad about it because i don't want to just say it's great and every year coming out of comic-con i'm like oh yeah you know what Movies are awesome, and it's kind of cool <laughs> so, to be so excited it, about movies. So it, it it brings you in touch with your inner fanboy. Yes, and I <laughs> and I think what's great about it is it's it's one place where that's not like looked down upon. It's like a reminder that you know it's fine to actually be excited about these. We don't always have to be cynical. We don't always have to be talking about how there's too many big blockbusters. It's like so what? They're fun, and let's let's celebrate that instead. I wouldn't be one of those cynical bastards, would I? Yes, you would. Actually, it was your review of War of the Planet of the Apes that led me to think about this. But. <laughs> Planet of the Apes was very, very good. I'm, I was just like, you know, I've seen so many of these. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, now, Trev, since this is kaiju transmissions, and mm-hmm. we're about to give them a bunch of giant robot Michael Bay crap, uh, yeah. <laughs> I understand mostly everything. The presence was toned back a little bit, but... What was the the presence of kaiju properties at at Comic-Con? I understand it probably wasn't much, but... No, it it wasn't a great year for... I don't think if you're a kaiju fan, you got a lot out of Comic-Con this year. Um, I think the Godzilla experience was was like, if you miss that, you're just fucked, pretty much. Well, that's what I... And that's what I mean, too, right? So, like, they had the Godzilla experience, which I was lucky enough to do, um, you know, the year... Yeah, and you you came back raving about that, and you were like, you might as well just not ever plan on going, because that's the only year it would (laughs) have... Well, I knew that would have, you would have had like three orgasms during it because, uh, you know, it was the thing where I just sent you the pictures, you know, when you waited in line, you went through like this mock-up of Tokyo and there was a lot of actual props from the films. I got to stand by the, the actual oxygen destroyer and, and things like that. And then you went through this cool interactive experience where you they acted like you were in a building that was being attacked by Godzilla. Um, so that was really cool. And then, of course, there was the Godzilla panel, which we saw that had, you know, the cast and, and Gareth Edwards there and. It was a great. That was like this is what I mean, right? Like that was a good introduction to Godzilla, but did it ultimately help with the film in any way? I don't know. You know, this year I was surprised that Legendary had no presence. Like they didn't do a panel. They really didn't bother with anything except outside of the convention center. For some reason, they decided to do like a Kong Skull Island. 
promotion thing where it was just kind of a, a setup of like walking through the uh, the graveyard of bones. And it was just to promote the, the DVD release. You think they would have done like, that last year or something? Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's such a weird thing to do. They, for you know what, at Comic-Con, though, they, they do do a lot of, like, um, setups for home video, too. It's not, I mean, they they, they still want to promote the film because they're still looking to make money off of it. Right, know? right. But it was kind of like it didn't, it, there was nothing more to it than that. It was just they had a Kong hand there that you could take a picture with and uh, uh, a spine or, you know, or a rib cage of a, a dead, you know. Kong ancestor that you could walk through a real live the, Brie Larson. Uh, no, that would have been great. Um, no, no, Brie, like if they're giving away free Brie Larson's to all the fans, that'd be, um, no, nothing like that. And then, yeah, I was just, I was actually shocked that legendary didn't have a panel to, to bring out. Is this the first you know, year they uh, skipped? It might be, but man, talk about like, you'd really think that they'd, they'd want to have Doherty and, and Wingard out there on stage talking about the plans. Yeah. Um, and that's just what I mean. Like the fact that they're not there tells me that maybe these studios should just like, why bother, you know? Yeah. Um, but you did see the Pacific Rim 2 uh, booth or whatever. Yeah, yeah. so Pacific Rim, man, you, they really did not put a, their best foot forward with Comic-Con, I don't think. Um, so they just had this like little kind of, I wouldn't even call it a booth because really it was just they had, you know, at Comic-Con on the show floor, which is a, a massive show floor. You know, it's it takes like 20 minutes to walk from one end to the other, especially when it's like crowded, it's even worse. Um, but everybody kind of gets their like space that they have. And, and for Pacific Rim 2, they just had this kind of like swath of carpet where they had a, a case set up with a couple of the costumes from the new movie. Um, the one that John Boyega will be wearing. And um, I, I can't remember her name. I apologize. The, fe- the new female lead. Um, and then they just had kind of screens around showing. Well, I, I, what you guys have said, I think you guys have seen it, too. Um, I don't want to call it a trailer. Yeah, it's, it's not more really like a trailer little, or a teaser. It's like, like a weird... promotional like video they made yeah. for it. That's god awful. Yeah, um, it's terrible. from what I understand, it, it there's no footage from the movie. It's just I hope not. Because <laughs> it looks like the kind of like it looks like the CGI in it looks like like the sci-fi channel version of Pacific Rim. Right? right it looks yeah. like it would be Atlantic Rim uh, kind of worthy. And then yeah, and then like even but then like the costumes they had, I was looking at those and I sent you guys a picture. I even thought those costumes looked cheaper and like less elaborate than the costumes in the original film. And it really just kind of had me walking away. Like I, I, I already wasn't super excited about Pacific Rim Two, just because I don't think there needs to be a sequel. I thought the first movie was a good standalone. I didn't really want that world to continue on. But this left me walking away. Like, if that's the effort they're going to put into like announcing this film here, <laughs> and the costumes look this cheap, and and I don't know, I just I was kind of yeah. kind of got worried a bit. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I was always with you in the. Because you, because that was your thing. Is you, you said you know the the way the first movie wraps up, it wraps up perfectly. Just let it be its own thing. And then mm-hmm. when they announced a sequel, I was like, well, I love the first one so much. I'm not going to turn down a sequel if Del Toro's involved. But now, from what I think he said, uh, it was when Legendary was changing hands, they had to delay it. And then that's when he got the opportunity to do another script for, for The Shape of Water. And he was like, well, I'm not just going to sit here because who knows how long this is going to take. So he went and did that. And then they went back to Pacific Rim 2, which he's still on there as a producer for. And he said, like, every now and then he'll look at it some dailies or something. But once he wasn't involved at all, I was like, eh. Because he even said, like, he, he's gonna he's keeping, like, a story credit or maybe a, a writing credit. But he even said the script that they're using isn't even the one that he wrote. So, yeah. like... Because that's when it was called Pacific Rim Maelstrom, and now it's Uprising, and those are those are actually two completely different stories. So, 
I don't know. That that's what kind of soured me on it. I mean, I'll I'll see it and hope for, hope it's good. It's got an awesome cast, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, it'll be interesting to see because Pacific Rim was only a modest hit, um, you know, at best, and it'll be interesting to see how people react to a sequel that so far looks like a le- like like looks like a lesser version, you know. But hey, they made it, so oh, I guess they have some <laughs> faith in it. Um. All right, all right. Any anything else uh, to report back from SDCC? Kaiju related? No, <laughs> <laughs> or just in general. Um, go watch that Thor trailer; it kicks ass. The Thor trailer is good. Matt, did you watch any of the Comic Con trailers? Uh, just basically Thor and the the leaked uh, Avengers. Okay. Um, before we recorded, Trev slightly corrected me on something, and this. Not necessarily kaiju, but related to the Japanese genre stuff, um, is uh, they showed the Death Note remake, uh, which Trev said it didn't have a positive or negative word of mouth. It it, it, had, it they showed it and it had like no word of mouth. It's almost even more. Concerning. I just I just didn't hear anyone like after the night after it aired. There was I didn't feel or hear any buzz on the show floor. I mean, I saw, obviously people were talking about it a little bit on Twitter, but. You know, like the year that they um, – the best example I can put or like the, uh, like the best analogy I can put is the year they debuted Scott Pilgrim there. And then, you know, only a certain – you know, obviously only a certain amount of people got to go see it. But the next day, everybody on the floor was talking about it. Like, oh, did you hear? People loved it. Uh, so, you know, and then Death Note was like a surprise screening. Uh, Netflix promised they are going to debut a movie there. And I think a lot of people were thinking it was going to be bright or were hoping it was going to be bright. Um, but it was obviously, it was like a 50, 50 shot. You knew it was either going to be brighter death note. It turned out to be death note. And then I just didn't hear anything like it just mm. kind of came and went. And I, I don't think that's a great sign either. Yeah. Well, we'll be checking it out anyway. Uh, we've been Win- Adam Wingard fans since the beginning. And I know, I know the, both of you are big maybe, we, maybe we won't be till the end though. <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. He's got quite a, he, he's got quite a, a lot to live up to now that he's doing Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, and I know both of you are big Death Note fans, so I don't know. Let's another one where we'll hope for the best. But the good news is, like, yeah, Blair Witch wasn't that big of a hit, and it wasn't that good, and maybe Death Note's not that great. But he's not a woman, so he's going to keep getting work. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Patty oh, Jenkins is doing Wonder Woman too, right? Well, yeah, because because Wonder Woman is a hit. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, I want to confirm for listeners that's not me being sexist. That's me making fun of Hollywood sexism. <laughs> um, speaking of sexism, let's talk about Michael Bay movies. Oh, oh, wait, yeah. what, where does that come from? I don't get it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think uh, for our listeners who are still um, have decided they want to hear us talk about Transformers, um, I'm going to real quickly condense the Japanese roots of this because it's relevant to this podcast. Um, so, uh, in the fifties is when, uh, you had stuff like Gigantor. Um, and that, that's what really brought giant robots to the mainstream in Japan with manga and comics. And after that, in the seventies, you had stuff like Mazinger Z and whatnot. And, uh, those were big and a bunch of different giant robot toys and, Cartoons and comics uh, were pretty much everywhere. Now, uh, in and that eventually led to not that just them being giant robots, but transforming 
robots uh, that could turn into different things or robots that could combine with other robots to become something. Um, now, in 1971, uh, Matt, you're the toy guy. Is it Takara? That sounds correct to me. Okay. But then again, I can't pronounce anything right. So no, I don't know why I'm asking you anything. Um, <laughs> they licensed G.I. Joe from Hasbro and uh, called it Combat Joe. And they did a spinoff of that line called Micro Man, which was like these cyborg kind of characters. And that spun off into something called Diaclone, which were transforming robots that were piloted. And then Diaclone released a line of robot toy uh, cars that would transform into robots. And some of the Transformers characters um, came from that line. And then the next year, another line called Micro Change came out. And that were, was where robots would, uh, instead of cars, they would just turn into other objects. Like, um, And that's where you also have like uh, some of the characters... Like um, like the guy that turns into the boombox or whatever. So that same year in 83, Hasbro representatives visited Japan and saw how popular those toys were, and they made a deal with Takara to bring them to the U.S. And then the merchandising boom began immediately after. So in 1984, that's when the Transformers toys, the cartoon show, and the uh, there was a Marvel comic series as well that was actually in the Marvel comic universe where they hung out with Spider-Man and stuff. Um, that all happened in 84 and it was huge. And from there, uh, any giant robot anime there was would come over here and be huge. Like go lion was turned into Voltron and et cetera, et cetera. But it's funny. I'm glad you brought that up because it is funny that transformers is like GI Joe and that, um, so people sometimes have this like really intense like connection to it from their childhood. And then when something like a Michael Bay version happens, they get very upset and talk about this as, oh, it's like pissing on the, you know, the the legacy of this property. <laughs> and I think sometimes it's important to remember that uh, He-Man and Transformers, I think, are the two best examples of where something was created just to sell toys. Yeah. I mean, like the cartoon, like when they made, like the, I've seen the writers of He-Man talk about how they were given this property and said, like, here's the toys we need to sell. You figure out what this is. And then just be like, oh, OK. And like having to kind of quickly throw together this this universe. I remember um, um, like in the late 80s, like when I was super into Ninja Turtles, I, they would put out a bunch of toys of characters that didn't show up in the show. And I guess mm-hmm. what they would do was like they would put out characters. And if the toys sold well, they would put them on the show. And if they didn't, it's yeah. just like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> genius marketing <laughs> right uh but yeah no this whole thing only exists because ha- some hasbro guys happened to be in japan and made a deal to license out this toy line um and it just turned into this huge thing now i just mentioned in in the late 80s early 90s for me it was like ninja turtles batman superman a little bit of gi joe and I remember watching Transformers a little bit, and I remember having some of the toys, but I wouldn't be able to tell you which toys I had. I wouldn't be able to recall any episodes. Were either of you Transformers kids? Not, I mean, not really. The only thing that I ever got into were the uh, Inhumanoids, the, the like giant monster-looking things that were kind of in the same universe with G.I. Joe. Okay. And they came out like in the, the late 86 um, 
And that, that was actually pretty awesome. They made some toys. Same thing. They made some toys with that as well. But that, that was really it. I never got into uh, Transformers or, honestly, G.I. Joe. I was always a uh, – my my cartoons of choice were, like, pretty much X-Men. And then I, I stayed with Godzilla, and that was really about it. Okay. He-Man, uh, I, I, He-Man was big with me, too. I, I was. I, I'm a little older than you guys, and I, I guess I didn't realize that. Like, yeah, like, I, I was more – like, I was a kid during the 80s. Um you know, I was still a kid in the 90s, too, but I kind of started, I was like, you know, I was 10 in 1990. So uh, I was in Transformers. I remember having the toys. I saw the original Transformers movie in the theater. I remember that because I remember as a kid being so shocked that Optimus Prime died. Um, that was did kind of mind blowing. I, like, I probably did. I don't remember. <laughs> but um, that was I mean, I just still, like I always remember how like how cool that seemed, you know, and how brave that seemed. Um, it doesn't seem like such a big deal now, especially you know, when they, they brought him back later in the, the next season. But um, yeah, I was definitely into it. I, I realized that, though, Bird, when I, I never thought about our age difference that way until um, while watching these movies, I found out that, that you've never even seen the animated film. And that was just like, no, I thought, like, every if, kid, if like I, I've, everyone of my generation saw that movie. If I know? did, I don't remember it at all. Like, I remember, yeah. like, I would go to the video store and rent, like, Transformers tapes, but I wouldn't be able to tell you if I watched, like, ones that were just a few episodes or if I got to the movie I, I, re- I remember, like, I saw the animated G.I. Joe movie, but, yeah, Transformers mm-hmm. eluded well, I feel me like you, you like I feel like you guys might fall into that, like, that weird little time where, you know, too, too like, young for Transformers, but not old enough to be a kid when Beast Wars hit. Um, right, yeah. Yeah, like, that was, that's exactly right. Like, Beast Wars, I remember some of the stuff, like, the 3D animation, and, like, mm-hmm. I hated that so much. That was one so of the I first... That was, that was one of the first... Like cartoon shows, I remember where they it was all CG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I it, remember it, as like an '80s kid who grew up on Transformers, seeing that and thinking like, "Well, they're turning into animals now. That's dumb. That'll never like that's that's that will never go anywhere." And then it turned out to be like a big hit. So I think there's a whole generation that probably feels a connection to that. And they, they call um, the, they I'm actually, actually surprised they haven't like tried to bring that into the films yet. Yeah, I, I guess in the canon they they refer to those as like G1, G2. I think Beast Wars is G is G two, and then like I don't know what I don't know. They're still making them. They're on like G four or five or something. I have no idea, but they're they're still going. Um, so I guess into I guess we can fast forward to two thousand seven. Uh, this movie's ten years old, guys. We're old. <laughs> that, that doesn't that just like I don't know, man. That 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 blows me away. Uh, I don't know. No, I guess... that feels right to me because I mean, it feels like it took me ten years to watch all of these. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and I, I guess this was just spawned by, um, you know, this is when when blockbusters and property like Hollywood was just doing any property they could, and you know, I was gonna and, say, did, I mean, you guys might remember this more than I do because um, I didn't, I didn't do the research to really look into this, but the the wave of just like total nostalgia porn does it start here or was transformers more a result of it i can't really remember i feel like i feel like i this was around the time like the animated ninja turtles movie was out and i mean the superhero movies were were like huge i i think that this is i don't think this is the beginning but i don't think it's a direct result either i i think that uh it was kind of going on a little bit before this. I'm wondering if maybe some of the superhero boom kind of brought that out. 
Cause that's when like you had like, and I don't say this. Came out this year. Like I'm, I'm going back and looking at some of the movies that came out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, and I don't say this in a bad way cause I was one of them, but that's when like, like I remember thinking like how weird it was seeing adults and like credible critics saying like Batman begins, Spider-Man two, like these are some of the best movies of the year. And I was like, really? You know, like that, that was, I wasn't used to that. I was still used to like, any genre movie being like poo pooed on. So I don't know if maybe that's kind of where Transformers comes in as like, hey, here's another thing we're giving the big budget treatment to. Um, I'll tell you what, I have a very specific memory, though, of going to see um, X-Men The Last Stand the year before. Um, well, first of all, I have a memory of that being terrible. But I have another memory of that being where the teaser for Transformers debuted. Um, and this is back in the day where... Ten, I mean, it's only 10 years ago. I, I kind of wish we could get back to this, but where you wouldn't have the trailer already online first, and sometimes you didn't even know about something, and you'd get a teaser that you weren't expecting, um, or a trailer you hadn't seen before, the theater. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. Um, well, speaking of that, that, Transformers that, gave us the Cloverfield trailer. Yeah, um, but but that teaser trailer, um, when that Transformers logo came on, the, the theater went nuts. And I mean, like I said, there's a theater of like, you know, 20 to 30 year olds, but Everybody in there was like, you know, an '80s kid, and and they went ballistic. I just, I, I still remember that. Um, and I did Michael Bay have the same? Oh crap! I'm okay. Is Bird, is your mic transforming? What's going on <laughs> over there? <laughs> did Michael Bay? Uh, did he have the same? I I feel like he he didn't quite have the same stigma then that he does now. I feel like Michael Bay was still pretty. Um, no, I think you're right. I think he was. He was. I don't want. Man, likes not liked is not the right word, but I think the Transformers movies are what gave him the rep he has now. Yeah. Because I mean, like people weren't really hot on Pearl Harbor, but um, people really liked The Rock and Bad Boys, and you know, Armageddon was a divisive film, but it was a huge hit, and overall, I think most people thought it was fun and enjoyed it. And so I think people are excited at the idea of Michael Bay. Yeah, like I, I personally remember not liking Michael Bay at the time, but I feel like, you know, you never heard the just like until after I think until after this movie and especially the next couple, that's when like Michael Bay almost just became a term for just like the worst kind of like action, quote unquote, popcorn movie filmmaking imaginable. Yeah, you're you're correct. I mean, like up until that point, I think he had, well, he had come off like directing the island and like Bad Boys Two. So like, I, I like the island. I don't know about you guys, but that wasn't. I mean, I think because of these movies, that's really what gives him the rep- reputation he has now, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so I mean, Transformers one. Trev, did you have something you want to say before we like? I was I was just gonna say I feel like Bad Boys Two was the film where start like maybe his like uh, his overdoing everything started to become more apparent. Like you <laughs> oh, know, like yeah, the excess, correct. yeah, the excess of it that would to come to define him. Because uh, I really liked Bad Boys, and I remember seeing Bad Boys Two and just being like, "What? What is this? Like, what? Yeah. Why is this sequel?" Um, but I think that's where he started to get a sense of it. All right, so Transformers two thousand seven. Um, who wants to take a stab at this one? I am, re- I am, I am removing myself from do- any plot synopsis duty for these. <laughs> I mean, are plot synopses even important on these? I mean, 
this, I mean, I, the, the basic plot of this film is just this is supposed to be the be the the coming of the Transformers to Earth. Um, we learn that their planet Cybertron has been destroyed, and the the war between the Autobots and the Decepticons is now you know brought to our planet. And in general, they're all fighting over this this item called the Allspark, which is uh in as in this movie at least, it's the the object that created their race, um, and they they want to get it to uh to rebuild the planet. But uh, yeah, that's kind of it, right? And like the in the the people that the, the humans that are drawn into the war are you know uh, Shia LaBeouf as uh, Sam Witwicky and some military uh, people played by Tyrese Gibson and Josh Duhamel, and of course Megan Fox, who was probably like the uh, the most like popular thing to come out of this film, I'd say <laughs> at the time, right? Um. Yeah, so, <laughs> but I'll, I guess I'll go, I'll, I'll just come out and say it right now. Uh, I hate these movies, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> now, this one is commonly referred to as, quote-unquote, the good one. Um, but, man, I, I hated it when I first saw it, and then when I rewatched it for this podcast, I still hated it, and I was just baffled by how people think that this movie is like coherent or well structured or well paced um i don't know man uh uh megatron doesn't even show up for 2 hours until 2 hours in <laughs> um i've always had a problem with the designs of the transformers in these especially the decepticons um, who, I don't think, I, I think this is the first time we've used the word Decepticon in this podcast, but those are the bad Transformers who are trying to turn all the machines into Transformers and take over the world, but they all just kind of look like a bunch of wheels and sharp parts just thrown together. Um, uh, the movie is, is, I just think it's boring, um, yeah, it's it's racist. It's sexist. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I have more to say, but I I want to hear where you guys are coming from because I feel like I'm I'm gonna be the one that's really hard on this this movie. I the first one's alright. I mean, like aside from the uh, the sh- the schlocky masturbation humor that you get like throughout the first movie, and, throughout all uh, of them, you mean? <laughs> Well, I mean, like, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely throughout all, but it's, I feel like depending on the film that you're watching, it, it's, it's up and down, right? Um, plus, like, hey, Bernie Max, a used car salesman in this movie, man. Come on. Um, I, this movie doesn't really bother me. I actually enjoyed it when I, when I first saw it. Like, I mean, I, I didn't love it, but it was, it was a kind of a fun popcorn movie. Also, this movie, you can follow the camera. Like it, it doesn't seem distracting as some of the other ones get later on. Um, I, like these movies aren't deep. They're not. I don't find them especially meaningful. There's nothing that's going to change the world of filmmaking in them. You get a lot of explosions, Michael Bay style. Um, which I mean, like like we were talking about earlier. I feel like these are the films that kind of when we think about Michael Bay filmography, we think of the Transformers movies with just these crazy explosions going everywhere. This is, I mean, I don't know, Shia LaBeouf's fine. Megan Fox, I mean, like, she's in there for, for eye candy and to bend over the car and for, for guys in our age group to basically 
look at her and stare at her throughout the movie and whatever. I mean, like it is what it is. That's what she's there for. And it, it serves its purpose, I suppose. But like the fighting's okay. The movie's okay. Like I would give it two out of five terrible transformers. Like I, it's, it's, it is what it is kind of thing for me. I don't particularly like it. I don't particularly hate it. My hate for this franchise comes a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like, I mean, I like this movie. Um, this on this rewatch, which is my first time watching it in, in uh, you know, a while. I was maybe a little less taken with it um, simply because of length. Um, so let's just say right now, like I'm going to say something that I guess we, we probably don't need to ever say this again. Um, this movie's too long. And that's true of all of these. I'd yes. say like that's like the, the general complaint you can run through all these. And it's definitely true here. But that's really like the only thing that kind of got me is you, you can get a little, you can get a little antsy with it. But I, I do agree with Matt and with, you know, most people, I guess, in, in feeling like out of the whole series, this one is it's pretty decent, like popcorn entertainment. I think, and I think it actually does a good job of, of introducing this world. I think the sequence where the transformers come to earth and we see them take their forms. And the first time we get to see Optimus prime and hear him talk, it's if you, especially if you grew up with the transformers franchise, it's a, it's a nice moment and it feels appropriate. And I, I think the action in this one is good. I think the, like the last, I think the climax, um, is all, has a lot of fun action. Um, people can go different ways on this, but I actually find Shia LaBeouf to be a pretty likable screen presence, and uh, I find him entertaining in this. You know, he can, yes, he can be very over the top, but I think that's fine in a movie like this. Um, I'm just scrolling through stuff about it on Wikipedia, and I see I kind of go to agree with this. It's just Roger. It says Roger Ebert gave the film a positive review, giving it three out of three stars out of a possible four, and his his ex, his explanation was it's goofy fun with a lot of stuff that blows up real good. It has the grace not only to realize how preposterous it is, but to make that into an asset. And I, I'd say that still felt true to me. Um, I do think there, like a lot of the crass humor, is it seemed dumb at the time, and now it seems dumb, even more dumb. But, but mostly because now it even feels really dated. Like that attempt to like kind of try to mature something up by sticking crass humor in just seems even more stupid now because we're. I feel like. It just feels more cynical now that we've seen that you don't have to do that. But this is at a time where I think studios were really like, well, how do we make this cartoon thing seem like everybody can like it? And that was their solution. Unfortunately, Michael Bay will go even further with that in later films. <laughs> but uh, I think this one is a nice balance. And overall, if it's just, man, if you could just take out, you know, 15, 20 minutes, I think it'd be uh, a really good popcorn movie. As it is, I, I do think it's a good one. Um, for me, the, this is, this is probably the one where I think if it was shorter, I would have a, the the two things that get me with, with all of them, but, uh, but this one included is the length, like it's two and a half hours or something and the humor with the length, it, it just doesn't feel justified. Like there's so many subplots and things that just don't mean anything like you have john the this whole thing with john voight and these hackers and um like uh i know michael bay likes to have his movies kind of uh i I think they even like he gets them partially funded by uh the military so i know he likes to include stuff like that which is fine but in this movie those military characters don't really they barely connect to they're a b plot that barely connects to the a plot um, you don't need them in there. Uh, all this goofy stuff with Shia LaBeouf and his parents. Like, there's just so much that you could pull out of the runtime of this. 
And uh, the the thing and and the thing is, when you take all that stuff out, you have a story about um, a, a boy and his car that's a transformer, and I, that's where the the that's the strongest stuff in here. And um, uh, we haven't mentioned it yet, but these movies are all produced by Steven Spielberg, and I think maybe this movie has the most Spielberg in it. And it's during mm-hmm. those that is it's it's that that a plot of the the kid in the car, um, and I think if you just left that alone, and not bog it down and make it overly convoluted, I think it, you could have lost like half the runtime. And yeah, like like you you said, the humor it, it seems outdated now. It's almost that like mid early to mid two thousands like crass American Pie type of humor. Yeah, for sure. And and for me, that kind of humor never landed. And now that you know, you don't see that as much anyway. It, it really feels dated. Well, um, I think it's I think this is true of the whole series, and something will we'll probably come up a few times. But one thing you have to say with this series is they're like a really they are a really strong like directorial vision and it's like a really interesting peek into michael bay's id and the way his psyche works and it's just really to is <laughs> michael bay has a really weird sense of humor that becomes very apparent watching these films <laughs> and it kind of like it it works in a movie like pain and gain right but which when you i I, it, I love pain and gain i do too i love pain and gain but when you apply that sense of humor to what's supposed to be um you know, a giant robot blockbuster film. It it's just it's so weird. It's such a jarring tonal inconsistency because he can't quite. He just can't make that work, no matter how much he tries. Yeah, I don't even know he's trying that hard. But. Yeah, and then I mean, and there's some there's certain scenes that just fall flat. Like there's the one with the the Autobots bumbling around in the backyard and crashing into trees and knocking over electric poles and shit, and like nobody <laughs> in the neighborhood notices. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's, but I mean that kind of stuff can is you know who cares? That kind of stuff can be fun. Um, and uh, I, and another thing that they kind of got better with in the later movies, but uh, especially in these early movies, it's it's always kind of there. But I don't feel like these Autobots have much of a outside of Optimus Prime. I don't feel like they have much personality. Like I don't know, like Bumblebee, you get like okay, he talks in the little sound bites, it's cute and everything. And then other than that, the only one that I even remember is the freaking the 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 racist caricature of Jazz, <laughs> who you know he introduces himself like I'm Jazz, yo, and he's like break dancing and popping and locking and, <laughs> and like <laughs> and sitting on the car, and of course he's the only one that dies. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't, it's just uh, it, oh, and. Of course, and like I, I, the way that he films Megan Fox, it's you know, as a straight male, it's nice to look at. But then you realize, like, he really does film these girls like pieces of meat, and that that goes through this whole series. And you yeah, combine you combine the racism and the sexism and the masturbation jokes and the crass humor, and it's like. Aren't these supposed to be kids' movies? Like the first thing that one of the, someone who likes these movies will say is, "Well, you're thinking about too much. They're just kids' movies." And it's like, hey, are they? <laughs> yeah, no. Nah, I mean, you got that one scene where she's like notoriously bending over the car, and it's just like, "Dear God, is this a softcore porn movie or is this transform?" Like it's, you know, like you don't know what's coming next at that point, right? It's it's. Uh, I don't know. I, there, I did take a few notes during this movie, believe it or not, and like there, there are a couple things that I wrote down. One of them is uh, my favorite scene in the movie. Megatron flips it. Uh, he like flicks his human off of him, and he's like disgusting, and he 
it's actually a pretty funny scene. And then did anybody else feel awkward like at the end of the movie when like Megan Fox and Shiloh Buff are making out on top of Bumblebee? I'm like, isn't that <laughs> yes, a yes, awkward? <laughs> yeah, like, that is weird. Not only that, but and the other like, and the other Transformers are just like standing a few feet away, like watching. Like, what, it. Are you, what are you like? What are you guys doing? <laughs> What's going on here? You know they had to have boned inside Bumblebee at some point. <laughs> just so weird. Um, but I think God, this um, one has a lot of individual sequences that work, though, too. I mean, like the, the moment where Barricade, you know, kind of uh, attacks like Shia LaBeouf in the parking or in like the parking structure or underneath the bridge. And then Bumblebee shows up and they get in, like turns into a car chase. Like those kind of moments. When I watch those scenes, I'm like, this is what Transformers should be. Yeah. Like, so this is where like Bay was still getting it right. And then know? like shortly um, after that, he pees all over John Turturro. <laughs> yeah, that's great, too. <laughs> um. Uh, what else can I bitch about? I I don't know. It's just it's it's very bizarre that uh, Michael Bay is just such a like I don't know like he can't stop he can't help himself. Like there's one part where like a, a, a robot's like getting thrown across the street or something, and there's a slow motion shot that just like pans over this anonymous like attractive woman with giant boobs, and it's some it's someone we haven't seen before or since. And it's just like he can't help himself but just, like, using the camera to, like, ogle women when there's no reason for it. The other thing we haven't touched on is the uh, insane amount of product product placement that happens in these films that just gets worse as the series goes on. Well, like this, the, the- this movie literally <laughs> has uh, the Transformers looking for a pair of glasses with a map on them that that is on eBay and it's constantly <laughs> the, the Transformers are constantly talking about eBay, eBay, eBay. Uh, How did you find me on eBay? <laughs> which, I, if they had to be that on the nose about it, I wish they did maybe something more like fun visually with it. Like the image in Power Rangers of Rita Repulsa eating a Krispy Kreme donut while like yeah, that was pretty like funny. that that may that that makes me laugh that's like okay they're kind of in on the joke but i don't know it's it, i agree i don't think though i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna step in and say i mean i there is a lot of dumb product placement i don't think ebay is product placement though i don't think that's like promoting ebay but the mountain dew robot is oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, like the blatant like oh crap they hit the mountain dew robot and then it comes alive and starts shooting people like that's uh i think there's an xbox worse. one right isn't isn't there an xbox one i think there's an xbox one Mm-hmm. Um, all those crazy uh, Chinese drinks later on, like from the Chinese companies that they're just like sipping on for no reason. Like we have no reason to drink those things. They're just uh, whatever. Uh, but yeah. Oh, and then I mean, more racist caricatures. You have like the best hacker in the world is Anthony Anderson, who's playing you know a a kind of typical goofy African American type and. Bernie Mac's yelling at his uh, his his grandma, and he's like, "Mammy, mammy," and it, it's just uh, I don't know. It's but uh, Bernie Mac's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's he. I, I was looking back through my notes. Actually, entertainment value wise, I gave this one a three. So, I mean, like it, it's still it, despite all the terrible things in it, like it, it was still pretty fun when I saw it. And on the yeah, no, I think much. I, I think this one deserves a three. I, I think that's still where I would land with so, it. So I'm going to go from a two to a three based on my notes. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm giving this a, I'm I'm giving it a one, which sounds bad right now, but we haven't talked about the rest of these. (laughs) 
Um, I, think, I think a one is too harsh, but no, nah, man, I, I hate the, I, I just these movies are so unpleasant to me. And uh, um, well, speaking of unpleasant, do you do we want to talk about Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen? Let's let's do it. Uh, I mean, I don't think we do, but I think we're obligated to. <laughs> where do we even begin with this one? Th- this one is. I where do, I don't even know where to begin with this one. This one is just. Uh, I know where to begin is saying I saw this. I saw the midnight debut of this or midnight premiere, and it's it was to this day one of the most miserable theater experiences of my life. Um, <laughs> walking out of that theater at like you know what it would have been like two thirty three in the morning, and just the the friend I was with uh, who would later you know realize how bad it was, but he could you know it's that kind of thing where he's trying to convince himself like that wasn't bad, huh? And I'm just like, are you fucking nuts? Like that <laughs> this was that was horrible. Like. Um, now, how, how tired were you? I don't know. I was probably so angry that I wasn't tired, but, um, yeah, it's a terrible film. And I think it's, it's come to, it, it, most people, I think point to this one is like the, the, you know, obviously the, the low point of, of, of oh geez, the low point of cinema, let alone, um, this franchise, but there's also like, everyone kind of acknowledges there's a reason it's this bad. Um, I mean, not that any of them are great, obviously, but this one had a lot working against it in that the this is when the the director's guild and the, the there was like a strike coming up, um, a writer's strike, and they had to kind of like rush rush into production on this one. And they kind of they were making this movie without a script, which is never a good idea. But when you're talking about a giant CGI, you know, based blockbuster, that's really risky um, to be just showing up on set and be like, well, I guess we'll do this and figure it all out later. And they were only working off of what uh, what Wikipedia calls a scriptment, which I guess is a you know a combination of a script and treatment. I've never heard that um, before. Yeah, um, and so you know this was like a really kind of hastily thrown together film because they just needed the sequel out because they'd already staked that release date. And we you know we've seen that happen a lot, and and films turn out pretty poorly because of it. This I think is probably the the all time example um, where it just it feels. Even by the standards of the first film, this one feels so half-assed and and <laughs> terrible. Um, I we did like a one-sentence plot synopsis for the first one, but I don't even know if I could attempt this one. Well, I'll, I'll say all these movies kind of have a similar structure in that a long time ago on Earth, this thing was here, and now the Decepticons need it to take over the world somehow. And like each yeah, movie, I mean, I think like. They almost all, like, they're almost remakes of each other in a way, but I don't even know which how. Is fine, I don't mind the formulaic nature of it, and it's kind of like that feels like the cartoon in that sense. Thank, um, in terms of like trying to remember the plots, thankfully, I feel like the titles of the film can usually give you at least enough of a memory jog to say, like, "Oh, that's basically what that one was." There's a villain named um, the Fallen, voiced the by, Fallen, yeah, voiced by Tony, Tony Todd. Todd, and it, it turns out that he's like an ancient um, Decepticon, and Megatron actually like works for him and takes his orders from him, and. And yeah, they're trying to find this thing on Earth that will like, um, you know, bring back the energon they need. But it will also, it'll also like destroy Earth in the process. Um, that's basically it. I mean, man, why does this? Know, this, this, <laughs> this is the most incomprehensible one. I no, think. I. <laughs> uh, this movie, the first movie, which I didn't like. This movie takes everything I didn't like about it, and instead of taking those few bits that I said, like, okay, if you just focused on this, you could make it work, like. The relationship between Sam and the Autobots. Like, those are things where if, if the first movie focused on those and left out all the garbage, it could have been 
good. But this is like, we're going to take all those incomprehensible subplots and things that don't mean anything, and that's all we're going to do. And <laughs> that's all this movie is. I, 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 This was the first time I had seen it. The only movie prior to this in this series that I saw was the first one. And I saw that in theaters, and I didn't see it since until I just rewatched it. And it was my first time for two through five. And, oh, my God, I, this movie was appalling. Um, there, we, we, I, we, the most offensive thing, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. I think we, we'll get to that last. Um, uh, I'm so excited to hear you talk about it, though, Bird. I've been, I've been honestly, this is what I'm most excited to hear everyone. Like, th- this, is, this is the thing I've been looking forward to this podcast the most. Oh, dude, I, dude I, <laughs> I, I, it's pent up. Um, but it, the hu- the crude humor is even more crude, and instead of just like a peeing robot, you get uh, a robot humping Megan Fox. You get um, like multiple times. <laughs> yeah, you 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 get uh, John Turturro. Uh, in the first movie, they didn't think it was enough that you, you just see his boxers. In this one, you got to see a big close up of his ass and a thong because that's supposed to make people laugh. Uh, you have an old robot who farts a parachute. You got another robot who's got big swinging uh, testicles. Um, you got um, it, it's set for some reason. There's like a 20 minute scene of Sam's mom getting high off of uh, pot brownies, and it's not funny, and it doesn't go anywhere. Um, uh, one thing I did forget to say about the first movie is I actually don't really think the action scenes in the first movie are that good. I felt like it was just shaky cam and a bunch of metal clanging together. That's even worse here. And in the final finale, the geography is just bad. I can't tell where anyone is in com- like, like comparison to other characters. And uh, whew, I just, I don't know. There's an annoying roommate character who I feel like that character like is Michael Bay in college. It, it, Trev, you, you've seen the movie a couple of times, so maybe you can help me out here. But this roommate character, he's figured out a way to the co- so that the college he's at only is accepting hot girls, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did he do that? Well, I mean, he's a hacker. Who, he just he's, he gets like a computer thing. Who cares? It's like you said. It, it, that, I mean, it's not that I'm saying that's not stupid, but I mean, there's there's, there's so many right, there's so yeah, many things yeah. worth talking about. That's like the kind of, like you said. You, this goes back to what you said about how that's the kind of comedic premise that would be in an American Pie movie, right? Or like right. you know, like a yeah. like a Tomcats kind of movie. You know, the <laughs> idea of like, oh, we figured out a way to make sure our dorm is full of hot chicks, and it's like uh, this is going to sound weird, but that would probably be okay if it was the comedic premise for a movie. But why is it a thing that we find out and is just tossed away for five seconds in a Transformers film? It's it's kind of weird. Right. So that's a pretty appalling uh, character. Uh, so, yeah, the sexism is turned up a notch. They even have, for no reason, this established uh, in this series, there's a robot that can turn into a hot chick. And at one point, she's like on top of uh, Shia LaBeouf, like strangling him. And the camera literally like goes up her skirt and like it, it, the camera goes up her ass. <laughs> and you just this underwear crotch shot. And it's just so like, it's it's just horribly, horribly like, I can't believe that this is a Transformers movie. Who in their right mind thought this was okay. I mean, Steven Spielberg, apparently, um, 
Well, like, I, so what, to, to, to go back to what you just said about the the hot chick that is a transformer, this really this really quickly comes back to one of the strangest things about this series, and it's something I was going to wait and say at the very end, but we might as well say it now because it'll then maybe it'll inform the rest of what we talk about. But it's Michael Bay's made five Transformers movies. And I'm just not at all convinced he gives a shit about the Transformers. No, I. And and, 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 what I, and like that's pretty obvious, right? But what I mean, by, like, what I mean by that is that it's clear he like he likes it as a as a way to like make his kind of movie. Like that's what it is to him. Is it's Transformers is the shell that allows him to make these very big bombastic movies with explosions and big action scenes. And and I think he likes the idea of robots fighting. But I've never once seen, in all the years he's been doing these, I've never seen an interview with him where he talks about the old cartoon series or talks about which characters he likes the most or talks about which, uh, you know, what, like what it means to him on like a thematic level. And in terms of like the, the, the girl who's a transformer, like what this, what this series often does is it does reach back into the cartoons and the comics and just randomly pulls things up and says, OK, well, we'll throw this one in the next one. But I don't get it. The, I don't get any sense that he's doing it. He's doing it out of like a love or affinity for it. And he, well, he pulls um, those ideas out with no context, right? <laughs> so she's actually she's a pretender, which does come from Transformers. The idea of there were Transformers that could turn into humans, but she's the only one in the series, and it's never explained. And, and you walk away from it wondering, like, well, why? If they can do that, why don't they have more of those? Why isn't why don't they take over the world through that? But it's just like it's more with him. He's like. Oh, people like this one thing, so I'll stick it in here. Oh, people like Dinobots? Okay, here they are. And it's like, yeah, but if you actually gave a shit, maybe you'd try to make any of this make sense. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I didn't... I don't think Shia LaBeouf is very good in the first movie. I've seen him good in things since, but I never liked him in these movies. And in this movie, he's just... The, his His performance is terrible, especially when... I guess he's, like, possessed by a... What's wrong with him when he's making that like derp face and like having like yeah, he's ha- he's having visions? <laughs> I don't. You're just you're just hating on him because you hate these movies. You're, uh, he's not that bad in these. I agree. I I like. I think I I kind of got. The, I thought Bird always hated Shia LaBeouf because like Bird seems like the kind of person who would. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, but yeah, I do think I think there's a reason. Like this is around the time where he was kind of Steven Spielberg's pet project. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. we know that didn't turn out well between the two of them, but. I think you can go back and look at it and, and understand why Spielberg saw something in him and why it actually did seem like he was going to be a big thing because he does just have a very, I, I sorry, I do think he has a very likable screen presence. And I think, yeah, it's, you can easily make fun of like how often he says no and all that stuff. But when he's just, he, I don't know. I find him funny. I think it does work. And like I said, it works charming. fine. He is charming in films yeah. like this. He, he helps power you through a lot of stuff that would otherwise be, 100 percent intolerable i think when, when he's getting beat up in the first film like you, you he's like that charming i don't know he, he's he's not that little kid like the whiny brat he's not shinji from evangelion that like <laughs> i don't I, i'm rooting for him the entire movie you know like, and like that's what you want from a protagonist that's kind of the underdog and he's he, to me he actually is very charismatic and like that that that's something you can't say of every, especially for like that kind of film. Like without him in these movies, and especially the first two, like they would be, they would be honestly unwatchable. Like yeah. more than they already are. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. 
one thing I'll say is uh, I complained about the military characters in the last movie just kind of being tacked on so Michael Bay can like satisfy that kind of pro-military fetish he has. But in this movie, I did feel like they were connected to the plot a little more. Um, it all ends with them meeting up with our characters in the desert in an incomprehensible battle scene, but at least, like, they they feel more earned, their presence feels more earned in this movie. Um, so that pyramid monster shows up, and then you don't know what's going on? Yeah, I don't... I don't know. Um, uh, all right. <laughs> Come on, Bird, you know you want to get into it. Well, d- Matt, do you have anything else that you want to say? About Transformers I mean, you, you, too. You, you, you and you and Trevor pretty much covered it. It's the, the thing for me in this whole movie is the the thing that sucks is is the climax is just god awful and yeah the, and the, the 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 pyramid monster transformer thing is just absurd. It's it's to me it, it's probably the most absurd thing in the series that I can think of offhand. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with that, but like it's just really stupid. Um, it, it's like the, the the Devastator when all the Constructicons come together. Yeah, it's just dumb. I hate that. That entire sequence is just bizarre. And then the final battle is just really difficult to follow. Not that it's unfollowable, but like I, I man, I it, it like gave me it gave me like epilepsy or something. Like no, it's I just agree. That. So <laughs> another thing I have to say here that, and I'm sure, knowing the fan base of this podcast, I'm sure everyone's gonna roll their eyes and people write to you guys saying I'm an idiot, but um. I've never, I guess this is probably just a personal thing because I think everybody can take this differently and everyone, you know, is it's all personal preference. But I've never really agreed with the criticism that Michael Bay's action is hard to follow. I think, I mean, I, I you know, some people just prefer a different kind of action and that's fine. I'm not even saying his kind of action is my favorite kind. But I actually, I think his action can be followed. I think that's like an easy lazy kind of criticism of it like oh, i can't follow it and i think eh, yeah you can it's just really hectic and he uses a lot of edits but i can tell what's going on this one though that criticism is completely warranted so i always like when people say that i'm like well they must just be talking about transformers too because this climax <laughs> is just not like you can't tell it's and like bird was right like the geography is all off the robots don't look different enough to know who is good and who's bad <laughs> yeah um, but the way they're lit in the desert, it's really like, what the hell is happening? You go from like the ocean to the desert to the city. Like, what? What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a reason. Like, we, like going back to us saying, well, we'll try and find reasons these are popular. I think his action, in general, usually is done pretty well, and I think that's what people like. You know, like there's that term bayhem, and yes, there is a subset of people who don't like it, but there's also a lot of people who do who like that kind of big, bombastic action, and I and I usually can get into it too in the theater. But this one I just found aggravating because I just it just had no sense of what was happening. <laughs> um, another element that's present in all of these movies, uh, I mentioned earlier the racism, and this mo- oh man, this mo- all the all the annoying things about this series. This movie dials up to like eleven, and this one dials the racism up to like. 15 because we have these two care these the, we got these two robots we got mud flaps and skids who are these <laughs> ebonic speaking gold tooth big ears having uh like they talk in like that quote unquote hip uh african-american 
like jive talk that was outdated in like the 90s like like i would bust a cap in your ass like even when this movie came out people weren't even saying that and i don't know i don't know if they thought it was funny or or what but it's not funny it's horribly offensive like trev got trev (laughs) there's another scene i want to bring up after this that'll relate to trev watching me watch this movie for the first time but I remember looking at him and, like, my jaw was, like, it might as well have been on the floor when <laughs> I saw these robots and saw them talking. And and especially the part where they're like, oh, we don't know how to read. And I was just like, oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> how is this happening in, what, 2009, a multi-million dollar huge franchise movie produced by Steven Spielberg? These, like, menstrual caricatures... Well, wait, let me ask a question though here. Um, so Mudflap and Skids are, I think, I believe they are green and red, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, how come yeah. when you see them with big ears and gold tooth and saying, I'm going to bust a cap in your ass, you just assume they're black? Aren't you the racist now? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's not how, this, not, not how this works. And then, uh, like, and then I find out they're not even, they're voiced by a white guy. Yeah, by the voice of SpongeBob, Tom Kenny. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, That's just terrifying on so many levels. Um, and I just, who man, even for even for a movie that's almost ten years old, this was like, like this. These are stereotypes that like, geez, like I hadn't seen anything that like overly like offensive as far as racial stereotyping goes in movies since like the 90s i i was appalled i <laughs> is, it, is it bad i'm laughing at the we can't read comments too? <laughs> like, oh my god so yes bad. you're 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 ta- you're falling for it stop it <laughs> it's just no i mean like i just i i forgot that was in the movie and <laughs> i can't believe that it made the like i can't believe they put that in there and i can't believe that someone didn't cut it out like where where was the line for the stuff that they cut out is what I want to know. Oh, I, don't, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> did, did they like draw the line at using like the the n word and that was it? Like is that I mean like I, it's just so bad. And, I, and yeah, well, I I know like they even say in like their language is foul too. They're like, don't be such a pussy, yo. It's like what these are Autobots. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really this movie's terrible. <laughs> Um, I just, I don't know. So, uh, Trev got to see me, how appalling I found that. Uh, and it's like, as a biracial American, you know, I, I don't try to go into things looking for things like that and be, oh, PC, social justice warrior guy. But man, I had to say something. (laughs) I had to say something about these movies, man. Because these movies are the most racist, sexist, like, action hollywood movies i i can't believe it i i don't know there it's 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 something else is what i'll say um trev i didn't think it was that bad (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just no yeah of course it's 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 um man it's something else it's uh the the level of like the level when you think about the level of people that had to get through and approved before it made it to screen like someone wrote that then they filmed it then like an editor was watching that 
you like, know, that's you really, fine. <laughs> you realize Steven Spielberg saw that and was yeah. like, "This seems all right." He made like, the, the color purple. Amistad, Steven, we <laughs> thought you were on our side, man. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Um, now, this movie, like the first one, has an exhausting runtime, longer, oh, longer than the first one. And by the time I had been subjected to all this, the, the farting robots, testicle robots, racist, sexist, crazy, awful humor, I was just loopy, man. And uh, Trev, would you like to describe the robot heaven scene? Well, I don't know if there's anything to describe other than, like, you know, the one thing to say is after all that, you were rewarded with one of the finest moments in, in movie history <laughs> when Shia LaBeouf's character dies and actually goes to robot heaven. Uh, Why didn't he go to re- human heaven? Man, look, these are questions for smarter people than us. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he, he goes to robot heaven and uh, it's pretty amazing. Like, that's like I hadn't seen the movie since obviously I hadn't watched it again since that opening night because I hated it so much. And that was one of the few things I specifically remembered just because it is like that's that moment's so stupid. You kind of wish the movie had more of those moments because that's like legit funny. And like a how dumb is this way? It's not aggravating funny like or aggravating without being funny like the rest of the movie. Um, but that yeah, that sequence is crazy. And Bird like lost his mind at that part. It broke. I don't know. <laughs> I, I laughed for like. 15 the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah, much, for, yeah. for like 15 <laughs> minutes straight i just couldn't stop like you ever like <laughs> if it's happened to you or like someone you know like something funny will happen and then like they won't the person won't stop laughing and then they'll they'll get it together for a few minutes and then they'll just start cackling again that was me for like 30 minutes <laughs> i'm sad that i was not in the room when this happens <laughs> <laughs> um uh, but real talk, uh, nah, fuck this movie. Uh, <laughs> this movie, it felt like, because like, I hate these movies, and this movie felt like, this is one of the only times I can think of a movie that I felt like it hated me. Like, I felt like it was engineered and s- structured just to hurt me. Like, and every time I got mad at it, it made me more mad. Like, I felt like the movie hated me as much as I hated it. And it just felt like it was made to to just hurt people. Well, all that being said, I still think this is better than Shin Godzilla. Nah, I can't. Nah, I can't. can't, can't, can't get me there, there, man. I will say yeah. another, another thing that we get at the beginning that's like just a Michael Bay fetish that never pays off is there's these hot girls on motorcycles, but I guess it's like a it's a hologram, and the motorcycles are the trans are the the robots, but for some reason they project these hot chicks on them. Oh yeah, he does that a lot in these movies. Um, but no, man, I, this movie, man, this this movie drove me freaking crazy. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't know what else there is to say. Um, so let, let, let me and Trev go first with our ratings, because because I think yours has got to be saved for last. Okay, well, what what kind of rating? We didn't do one for the last movie, so what what? How many pot yeah, did. brownies? I did. Oh, what was it? I give it a three. No, I mean like I mean like a a scale, like you know, Uh, uh, how many like all spark cubes or whatever. How many pot brownies? We can't we can't do that one because I'd say all of them because that's what you need to enjoy this movie. (laughs) How many racist robots are you going to give this movie? Like that's seems like the obvious one, right? How many unread books? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one too. All right, man. What what are your numbers, guys? 
Trev, you go first. How many unread books are you going to give this movie? I say so. I only like when I th- when I give something like zero stars, it's like the it's a, about as bad as it gets, and it's very very rare. Like I, it's it takes a lot for me to give something zero stars. So I'm going to give this a point five, um, simply because there you know like I said, there's the robot heaven scene which is worth a chuckle, and there's a there's a couple other moments where maybe you might get some slight ironic enjoyment, but this this is atrocious. Like it's it's. It's about as bad as like Hollywood blockbusters get, um, and like Bird said, in in a very ugly way, in a very um, offensive way, and just like altogether, the only appropriate human response to this film is, "What were they thinking?" So I, I'll, I just gets a, a point five out of five from me. Yeah. Uh, don't don't see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I actually did see this in theaters, and I regretted it then. I regretted it when I watched it again. So I'm also a 0.5 out of five, and I would I would recommend everybody avoid this film like the plague. Yeah, even if you like, if you think you're gonna maybe en- if you do kind of think you might enjoy the series, don't worry. You can go from one to three and and not deal with this. Yeah, concept. you won't miss anything. You won't miss no. anything. Uh, this is by far the worst. This pr- is probably the worst blockbuster Hollywood movie. I've ever seen um and uh you know the lowest the I, i'll say this is the most racist sexist loudest most unfunny most incomprehensible just horrible pacing cgi nightmare just everything about it is bad uh and i'm saying that is on this show people have heard me review ape They've heard me review the mighty Gorga. They've heard me talk about Gamera, the super monster. I've talked about so much bullshit, (laughs) horrible movies on this podcast. And I think so far the lowest rating I've given, I think I gave the mighty Gorga a third of a star. Yeah, I, I remember that one. For the first and hopefully last time I'm doing it, this is getting a, this is, this is, this has negative stars. Is my there is not a it, it, it is below zero so this is this is I can't give this even a zero uh, this is this is negative stars out of five fuck it <laughs> I, 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 oh. <laughs> and I I heard after Steven Spielberg saw the final edit for the first time he turned to Michael Bay and said that was fucking incredible. And Michael mm-hmm. Bay still to this day wears that as a badge of honor that he got the normally wholesome Spielberg to drop an f bomb because of how awesome his movie was, and it was this piece of garbage here. I just I can't do. I man, I whew, I don't know how anyone <laughs> went and saw a third movie after this. Um, but good lord, maybe that was that was that the moment was that the moment where like Steven Spielberg's mind broke? Yeah, maybe this. Well, I know he wasn't like. I know his filmography was starting to suffer maybe in like the mid 2000s is like like you know the last time we saw Spielberg movies and we're like oh that was really really good so maybe this movie just broke him like he, I mean if he if he if he watched this and thought it was really good that seems like <laughs> I mean maybe, yeah maybe he just awesome. maybe he just hasn't <laughs> yeah I mean, maybe he just hasn't been the same since like this movie like lobotomized him maybe Hold on, I'm looking. I gotta figure out what like, just by year wise here. <laughs> okay, let me tell you. Let me tell you guys. Let me tell you guys something. Um, 
maybe it's Transformers itself because uh, 2007 is Transformers, 2008 is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> so it's like it's just like working on these films, you know, like it destroyed them. <laughs> oh lord. All right. Well, let's go to 2010. I think no, I think it's 2011. Transformers 3. What's the generic subtitle for this one? Um Age Dark of, of the Darkness. Moon. Wait, wait. What's this? Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Side of the Moon. Dark of the Moon. They couldn't do Dark Side. Oh yeah, Dark, dark I don't, of the Moon. Because I don't mm. know why. It makes more sense. Um and uh this is where the Transformers find out that Megatron is trying to find some shit on the moon. <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon is because of Pink Floyd, bro. Well, I mean, there is an actual Dark Side of the Moon. But I'm just saying, maybe that's why they... Never mind, just go. They should have called yeah, it they Dark Side. They didn't want people to think it had any Pink Floyd ties. Yeah, they didn't want people that to would, try and line it up would, with the... With that the, would sully <laughs> the, the name of Pink Floyd. They didn't, they, the they, didn't, they didn't want people to try and line it up and see if it matches the album like uh, people do with Wizard of Oz. You'd have to play the album like 18 times. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um... And uh, so Megatron wants some shit on the moon, and Optimus- well, wait, we should we should say like this one is the like this one has a <laughs> I don't want to say great or anything, but like when you're talking about like the plot, this is the one that reveals that the the our the reason we went to the moon in the first place was because we realized that <laughs> there's some like a, a spacecraft had, cra- uh, had crashed there, and we learned that you know like Buzz Aldrin and and uh, Neil Armstrong landing on the moon was actually a mission to to look for the Transformers. And we've and that NASA has known about the Transformers all this time, and like that's that's the kind of dumb stuff I like, um, and the fact that they somehow conned like Buzz Aldrin into making a cameo in this film to have a face to face discussion with Optimus Prime, <laughs> it's, like I, I that's the I like that like it's just so stupid. They're like, uh, all right, I'll go with that. Is this the one that has the fake Obama? We forgot to mention the first one has a fake George W. I think this it does, one has yeah, a fake Obama. Yeah. Yeah, because he gave he gave like a medal to uh to Sam for the last film. There's a fake JFK also that's doing like a really bad JFK voice. Uh, I don't remember what's on the dark side of the moon that they all want, uh, but like all the Transformers movies, it's something that was there long ago, and Megatron. Wants there's there's to... like a, a let's see. I'm I'm just gonna read it off of Wikipedia because it makes it'll it'll help us all, I suppose. Um. After, like, the moon landing, we jump forward, and in the present, the Autobots assist the United States military in preventing major conflicts around the globe. During a mission to Chernobyl to investigate suspected alien technology, Optimus Prime finds a fuel cell from the Ark, discovering that it has survived its journey from Cybertron. Uh, Let's see here. They discover a comatose Sentinel Prime, Optimus' predecessor as leader of the Autobots, and the pillars he created as a means of establishing a space bridge between two points to teleport matter. So that's kind of like what, the, yeah, that's like the Sentinel Prime, who spoiler alert is revealed to eventually be the villain of the film, is activating these these pillars that are actually going to bring Cybertron to Earth. Um, and what's on the dark of the moon is, I believe, it's just a bunch of like sleeping Decepticons that he wakes up and then teleports here. So it's another like huge beam in the sky movie, <laughs> which this this was like when every movie was doing that. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, God damn it. Uh, okay, so um, between between parts two and three, uh, Megan Fox in general, I think, uh, audiences felt she was overexposed. And then she did this interview 
where she compared Michael Bay's directing style to uh, Hitler. Um, and Steven Spielberg, being a Jewish man, apparently did not take kindly to that and fired her off the series. So now, um, which off- is still, I still, I just want to say it's quickly is still bullshit. Right? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think that was. It's like one of it's like one of those but... one moments that it's like it's just so indicative of like God. It just annoys me so much because again, we talk about like Hollywood sexism and stuff, and even like the beginning of that kind of only looking at a certain context and and clickbaity attitude. Um, if you go find like the full interview, like she says, he's like Hitler on the set, but then she goes on to talk about how much she likes him and yeah. says he's like a funny I, person. I, I wonder and, if like you ever have like at work, like you hear someone got fired and you're like, why? And they tell you why, and it's something little, but then in the back of your head, you're like, I wonder if there's more to this. Like, it, so I don't know. Maybe maybe they just didn't get along, and something mm-hmm. like that was just kind of like where he was just like, you know what? I, this is just this is it. On on the record, this is what we're going to let you go for. But off the record, maybe there was something else. I don't know. But I, I agree. Yeah, you like, mean from Spielberg? Maybe. Because I know like like Bay like, went back, like worked with her again later. Um, I yeah, don't think they ever really the had a problem Ninja with Turtles. her. But, well, well, that yeah. fool always was like trying to – because we forgot to say that the reason we even have Megan Fox is uh, she was an extra in Bad Boys 2 and she was underage, first of all. And Michael Bay kept like – you know, she was supposed to be in this like dance scene, and Michael Bay kept telling her to like, you know, take off more clothing and spray her down with more moistness. And it's like, man, this is gross, man. What are you doing? And then her audition for Transformers One, no joke, she had to wash Michael Bay's car in a bikini. So, ugh. <laughs> talk about like feeling like gross. Um. Anyway, uh, so we have replaced um is um. Rosie Huntington Whiteley, who uh, mm-hmm. I guess uh, only other. Well, thing- if you thought if you thought Megan Fox was like not that great in the first couple of films, wait until you see this girl. Oh, she's terrible, <laughs> and and I feel like I feel like because maybe there is less of a, like a personal history there. Like I feel like Michael Bay is even more inclined to film her like a piece of meat. Like man, there's a part here where because Michael Bay likes those overhead shots of people getting out of cars there's a part here where she's wearing a, a skirt or a dress I don't remember she gets out of the, this car and this camera is just zoom right up between her legs and it's the movie well, she's literally the, her, her introduction to the film is literally um, a 3D shot of her ass and underwear walking up steps <laughs> that is correct um of course we got Shia LaBeouf back uh this time and uh, we had the the annoying little leg humping robots from the last movie, like live with them now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, his parents played—I don't know, remember who plays his mom, but play, Kevin Dunn, uh, who me and Trev actually love. Who fans of this mm. podcast would probably know from the '98 Godzilla movie, but I like Kevin Dunn a lot. But even I like these, it, I like him in these too. I mean. Uh, uh, um they're all back white plays julie white plays the mom okay um most characters are back luckily the the sexist roommate from the last movie is gone um and uh did he have an awkward replacement in this no but there's a lot of like there's a lot of crazy characters added to this oh yeah you you get um, uh francis francis mcdormand is added in um yeah francis mcdormand and john malkovich are in here for some reason oh man john malkovich is amazing in this (laughs) yeah john Um, malkovich tries to mma fight a transformer at one point (laughs) yeah um john taturo now has um 
a, an assistant named Dutch played by Alan Tudyk, who is like this like German, like a feminine assistant who suddenly after they get in fights, becomes like this like badass assassin. Um, you know, if you, if you were if you were watching the last two movies and you're like, okay, racism check, sexism check. Hmm. There's not a check next to homophobia. <laughs> <laughs> and then they make the third movie is okay check. Because uh, yeah, I mean he's the biggest like gay stereotype you can imagine. He's wearing flowery dresses, dresses might as well be wearing damn dresses, but flowery suits and you know the you know the stereotypical hand gestures and and you know speech patterns and uh, it's all very offensive. But um, and then um, uh, in this one uh, you also have is it is is it Ken Long? What's his what's his guy's name? Ken Jeong. Ken Jeong who. Uh, people know from being the obnoxious Asian in uh, what everything, um, and he's pretty much doing the same thing here. Uh, he's super irritating. Um, a lot of just really irritating characters. <laughs> Again, um, I don't Bird even met remember. About racism it, says a guy's an, an obnoxious Asian. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? These movies are bringing out the racism in Bird. That's what he's afraid of. Uh, <laughs> um uh, and um and then you have Patrick Dempsey in here as the villain and he's working with the Decepticons uh because he's pretty much said look they're going to take over anyway I might as well be on their good side so you know he's helping them do all this all this crap um and uh I will say of the 5 movies this is the one where I think the on a story level it's still awful, but out of out of all of them, I think this is the most involved, involving story out of the five. It's though, so involving that when we started this, you couldn't remember anything what it was about. Right. <laughs> it's still terrible. Um, I, I'll, I'll say I, I still hated all the things about it that I hate, have hated about all these movies, but I was more into it, I guess. Um, and a big part of that is probably because... Um, now this is the first one he shot for 3D, so this is where mm-hmm. I feel like the 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 action scenes are being stepped up because he can't shake the camera around, and do all that crazy bullshit anymore. He has to. Yeah, this is something that was pointed out. Like I wouldn't have thought about this, but it was pointed out when the movie came out, where people like be, when it, uh, so Michael Bay's quick edits can't work in 3D because for 3D to work, every shot needs to last. I, th- I believe it's at least three seconds for your eye to adjust. And so that actually changed his shooting and editing style, and the action became became a lot more crisp with this one. Yeah, like this is this is the first one that I felt like okay, I see why people like Michael Bay for action. If I, if this is the movie I'm going off of, because like I, I some people might not even know this, but like the way Christopher Nolan does action, like is heavily influenced by Michael Bay. Like he's a he loves how Michael Bay does his action scenes. So this is the first one where there were action scenes where I was like, okay, that's actually well staged and well done. Um, uh, and um, the, the big attraction here, I think for anyone who, for what, who might've got hit on the head with a frying pan and is now considering watching all these would be the Battle of Chicago, which is still, it's like 45 minutes. It's basically the whole last act of the movie. Um, it is one of those action scenes that goes on so long that it becomes boring a little bit, but 
the the it has so many set pieces that are are fun like there's one where they have to slide down a glass building that's like crumbling and stuff like that that um like the destruction here is on the scale of this is the first time in this series where i would say the destruction is on the scale of what you would see in a kaiju movie um and it's 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 very well done it, it's it's too long just like everything else in these movies but it's very well done and um uh, just on that level alone, I can give this movie like a higher rating. Just because um, even I was impressed by that, and uh, these big CG action fests don't impress me very much to begin with. So, I mean, I, I will give it credit for that. Um. Uh. So, Matt, was this the first time you saw this one? Uh. It- yeah, well, actually, no. Let me think about this for a second. I thought that I'd like seen it or not seen it before. Sorry, and that's because to me, this movie—you guys seem to like this one the best, if I remember correctly, from like our our little messaging. Thread. I did. I, I will say that this is the one that I liked the best. But go on. I, I do agree that the set pieces are are really well done. Um, I it's still a very kind of boring, way too long of a film. But there are they all really are. Cool They're that, all boring. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing, though. Like, it's so long that, like, I kept lo- I kept looking at my phone, like, God, when is this going to be over? I'm like thinking, oh, it's only that. It's it. The movies are so long that like an hour goes by, and you feel like the movie sh- it, it it should be two hours or something. And that's really the biggest problem with this film, and the fact that Bill O'Reilly appears in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I I didn't like it that much. Uh, the you know, the fact that Patrick, Patrick Dempsey, like, he doesn't really do it for me as a villain. He just kind of comes across as mundane, I guess, is the best way that I can explain him. The, my, my favorite thing about it is, is definitely John Malkovich, and he's not in the movie enough because he, he kind of disappears after his little uh, – when, when he decides to fight the Transformer. There's really no point to him at all. But there, there's, there's not. <laughs> it's kind of more like I like John, John Malkovich, and so after he's gone, I'm like, eh, there's really not a reason for me to keep watching this movie. Um it's okay. I mean, like for me, this is just a very. After seeing the first two, I'm just waiting for this movie to be over, and it just goes on and on and on and on. Probably like this podcast episode for some people. Um, yeah, I, I didn't like it that much. I don't know. I still like the first one better than this one. Okay, for, for reasons that I don't understand myself. So, all right, well, fair enough, Trev. What do you got to say about uh, Dark of the Moon? Uh, so I never even planned in my life to see Dark of the Moon because I was so burned by the second one. Um, I ended up seeing this in the theater in 3D only because I got to go to a press screening for it before it came out. And I was like, well, I'll see a free, you know, 3D Transformers movie. Like my hope was my, I guess my thinking was that if it's even worse, it'll be funny on some level, you know? Um, and I was pleasantly surprised with it. Does that mean it's a good movie? No, not exactly. Um, but it's, it's definitely a step up from, from part two. You can tell that they... They kind of knew what they, they well they knew what they did wrong and were at least willing to try to fix it and they do in a lot of respects. Um, yes, again, why I keep saying it, but yes, too long, um, too much dumb humor. But um, the thing that like I'm I'm with Bird and that the thing that completely saves this film for me is is the action, and I love the Battle of Chicago. Um, I don't even mind that it's too long. I mean it's it's like it's it's that right it's that cool kind of spectacle that just keeps going, but. 
what it what Bay actually does like wisely in this film is that it keeps going, but it's like a series. It's like a sequence of individual action scenes, like they keep building on each other. So for a while, you follow this one group, then you move over to another, and it's not just one action scene for forty minutes. It's a series of smaller ones building up to this larger thing. And I, I think that whole final act is a lot of fun. It was really impressive in 3D on the big screen. Um, that sequence with the building falling was was great in 3D. Um, some other stuff. And I actually, I don't know, Matt, how you feel about this part, since you didn't like the film at all, but uh, or as much as the first one. But um, this is the one where I like Shia LaBeouf and his character the most, actually, because he's kind of grown up in this one, and they play him as more proactive and more heroic. And I actually think he does it pretty well. So he's not as fidgety and annoying as he was in, the, in part two. I can meet you there. He's still annoying in some places, but he... This is the... Of the three movies, this is the only one where I didn't completely hate him. I just hated him a little <laughs> well, there, well, there you go. See? That's, that tells you something. Uh, no, I, yeah, I do, I do like this one. It's, it's a shame that uh, Megan Fox couldn't be there because this Rosie Huntington Whiteley is... Oof, She's just a, a like a cipher on screen and has no chemistry with him. Um, and they they or really with like or, they or really, with anything. They really um, try too. They like she gets she gives him like a stuffed bunny for good luck, and then he's like, "I only need the foot," and then she cuts the foot off and like throws it at him or something when she gets mad at him. I don't remember what I don't I don't quite remember. All I know is that when that happened, I was like, "They're really trying to sell us on this relationship, and it's not it's not working." Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, so I, this, this one is fine, I think, but I, I do think, um, what I would say to people is, is watch this one, maybe just kind of have the first, you know, hour and a half or so on in the background, you know, fairly paying attention to it. And once they get to Chicago, then kind of tune your attention in. Um, if you're into action, like if you're not an action junkie or if you're not into Michael Bay's style of action, then it's not going to do anything for you. But if you do like that kind of action, I think this is I think the last act of this film is probably the the, the peak of the entire franchise in terms of that. Um, now, the last two movies did have Optimus dispatching uh, uh, villains in fairly violent ways. Um, would this be what where should we bring up murderous prime at this point? <laughs> I mean, this is where he becomes a full-blown psychopath, for sure. <laughs> because, man, for a movie hero, I, 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 and a character that's iconic for people that grew up in the 80s, man, like I said, the last two movies, he was a pretty bloodthirsty, but here we got uh, um, the, the, the bad uh, uh, character that betrayed him and is working with Megatron, and uh, it's voiced by Leonard Nimoy, and at the end, he's like... It's, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, don't, don't, please, don't kill me. I had to do it. Please, we're old friends. Please, please. And what does Optimus do? Trev, you want to tell me what Optimus does? Uh, it shoots him in the face. <laughs> Point blank, shoots this poor guy in the face. Dude, he and- just murders everything in all these movies. And, like, even the first movie, he, like, decapitates robots. Is this the one where he, like, walked up behind someone, like, like, punch through them and like split them apart from the inside or is that the next one they all blend together i just whichever movie that was i i, I remember optimus doing that and thinking this is horrific i think that's part four <laughs> but there's some pretty horrific deaths like that in all of these i mean i think they get they think they get away with it because they're robots but you're still like oh my good lord um and this is definitely the point where like when optimus prime rushes into battle you will now hear him yell things like i'll kill you you <laughs> die and it's like oh all right well that's our hero i guess and <laughs> 
And it's even stranger because it is Peter Cullen, who is the voice of Optimus Prime from the original cartoon. And so when you grew up with him, you know, playing Optimus as, a, as like a fatherly figure, um, to see that transformation is, is pretty jarring. I'm not as like horrified and offended by it as, you know, we as some of our friends are that we know. But um, <laughs> I find it more like just amusing and like on like a, you know, a, a sick way. But it, it is pretty funny that Optimus Prime is, is like that bloodthirsty. Yeah, it's for being crazy, man. <laughs> And yeah, Peter Cullen, yeah, he's been doing, I, anytime he's got an excuse to voice Optimus Prime, he's going to jump at it. And yeah, I feel like that whole gap before that first movie, he was just waiting by the phone for someone to call him and ask about Optimus Prime. I, I will say, I feel like that's the only time Michael Bay might have listened, because I remember they were casting for the the voices, and everyone was like, Peter Cullen's still around, just call him for Optimus. And, and that's what they ended up doing. But mm-hmm. um, So how many... Uh, MMA fighting John Malkovich's, do you give this one out of five? It's like a, it's a two. It's, I mean, it's all right. It's, it's, the last act is definitely watchable. The rest of it I could do without. It's, as we said before, it's too long. Yeah, I'm floating between a two and a half and three. Um, see, when I, I don't know, it's like, I like the first one more, I think, as a film, but I think. If I had to just sit down and watch something from Transformers, I'd probably default to saying, well, I want to watch the last 40 minutes of this one. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give this a two as well. Um, uh, It's the only one I didn't 100% hate. Um, (laughs) It's the best of the franchise uh, with a two. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So a couple years later, uh, man, if you're a Transformers kid, everyone knows about those Dinobots, those Transformer dinosaurs. And Michael Bay was like, we're going to give you those Dinobots. Here's uh, Optimus Prime riding around on a T-Rex. And he's like, Transformers, Age of Extinction, mark it in your calendars, Dinobots. And then that movie comes out, and it opens with aliens uh, coming to Earth and the dinosaurs being killed off. And that's what makes Transformers? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, what was this one about? A, l- a long time ago, the Transformers did something and something's messed no, up. No, it's like, where, this is where we learn that there was like a, so there's this alien race known as the Creators who were terraforming Earth, um, or terraforming multiple planets uh, with, a, uh, with an alloy that we will come to, to find out is called Transformium. Um. But yeah, so they were just like the, the the dinosaurs on Earth were destroyed by the creators terraforming it. Because basically every film in this franchise reveals to us that the Transformers were here on Earth long before we thought they were. And it keeps going back further and further. Uh... So yeah, they're one, made out. One of thing tra- that's interesting about one thing that's interesting about this film, though, and about the series in general, because it goes on into the next one as well, is that. You were bird. You were talking about how the last film finally had like kaiju levels of destruction, and this series doesn't ignore that. Like it actually makes the destruction that Transformers and Decepticons cause a, a plot point, and so that is kind of continued here. And that uh, because of how bad the Battle of Chicago was, and and how just and how many people died, and the destruction it caused, um, the Transformers are no longer like really popular with humans, and they're kind of being hunted by the government now. <laughs> it's the um, opposite of Man of Steel, uh, where in the next movie everyone was like, "Superman's a hero," except for Batman, <laughs> who thought yeah. he was crazy. Uh, 
Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. So they're made out of transformium. How do, how how do the transformers like? How are they born? Like what? They're not born. They're they're made by the creators. But we'll we'll talk about something weird with that in the next film. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the but the, the the general plot of this one though is that there's a, a like a bounty a bounty hunter transformer called Lockdown who's been hired by the creators to uh to get Optimus Prime, and he's actually teamed up with this like this uh, military outfit run by Kelsey Grammer who wants to wipe the Transformers off the Earth. And, uh, and they're basically hunting them. And, and the auto, all the Autobots have gone into hiding around the country. And um, Optimus has actually gone so into hiding that he's just kind of, he turned permanently into the truck. He's basically like, basically dead <laughs> until he's uh, and revived by uh, uh, <laughs> a brilliant scientist, a brilliant inventor played by Mark <laughs> Wahlberg. Um <laughs> as Kate Yeager, which is a great movie name, sounds like a Pacific uh, Rim character. So this is what this is where the end of the the era of Shia LaBeouf is over, and this this film starts the the Mark Wahlberg years of the yeah, Transformers. Kate Yeager is in, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, that's. I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm not going to say any more about the story because who cares? Yeah, it's bullshit. Uh, and then uh, of course <laughs> he we have uh, uh, his underage daughter uh, played by Nicola Peltz uh, and. Um, the whole movie is like, man, you dress too skimpy and all that. And so, of course, there's jokes to be had there, um, which, I, you know what? If I'm going to start my rants and raves, I might as well just start there. Th- this whole movie, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I'm pretty sure she was, you know, of age when they made this. But, for, man, for a movie to say, here's an underage girl and have her dad always talking about how she's dressing too skimpy, and then to constantly like be all like doing that Michael Bay, here's the camera up her ass thing, it just is uncomfortable because even though I know the actress is not underage, it's like he's he's asking us to ogle this underage a girl who in the movie is supposed to be underage, and then not only that, she has a twenty something boyfriend who carries <laughs> around in his wallet. Uh, a law called the Romeo and Juliet law, which says why it's okay for him to be with an underage girl. And it's like, man, what? Why did? Why was any of this even necessary? <laughs> it's just another another case of Michael Bay making these movies and giving me the creeps. Um. Uh, oh yeah. Um. So Age of Extinction. Uh, Dinobots. Um. Are in it at the very end for about five minutes, and from what I understand. It's Michael, more than that, but yeah. Well, from what I understand, Michael Bay does not like the Dinobots. Um, yeah, he doesn't. It was kind of it's it's. This was very much a Sam Raimi Venom situation, I think, where it's like where they, they he were was like, told he was told the fans like him, and you, you got to put him in there. And he's like, oh, fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess they're too unrealistic for his uh, his. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. What's he got against Dinobots? I don't know. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, with Sam Raimi and Venom, he, he was even like, yeah, I just. The Spider-Man I know is the stuff that I grew up with, and by the time Venom was around, I wasn't into Spider-Man. So, it, it, like, I mean, at least he had like a reason that made sense. I, Michael Bay, I don't know what. I feel like he should be all about the idea of dinosaurs and in robots, but whatever. Um, we have a, an annoying sidekick because what's a Transformers movie without that? Uh, played by T.J. Miller, who thankfully is killed <laughs> early in the movie, and you don't have to deal with him very. much. For very much longer, um, what we should point out that um, at this point, the movies aren't making as much. They're still moderate. They're still successful enough uh, here in the states. But it, this is when um, the they were really making all their money from the Hong Kong market. So this is where you start to see 
uh, Hong Kong product placement and p- pandering to the the Chinese audience a lot. So much that like Mark Wahlberg and them, they're drinking like Chinese milk and stuff in the in their like little farmhouse. Like, where is this guy even getting this stuff? Um, and uh, like some Chinese dating site in one of these. I don't remember which. That's one it the was, next but it one. Like, <laughs> What's um, going on? Uh, yeah, and then like there's uh for really no real story purpose they. They move the the finale over to to Hong Kong, even though you can see it's being filmed in Chicago. You can see the Sears Tower in the background, um, and yeah, it, there's a moment that's really weird where they're in an elevator, and this Chinese guy who's not in the movie before or after just comes and starts beating people up with kung fu and then just leaves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, again, we have you know racist stereotypes that are really there for no just no reason, man. I just I don't get it. Um, that part was awesome, though. <laughs> uh, and the last thing I'll mention before I let you guys give your thoughts are uh, <laughs> um, this is also uh, man, I for- I completely forgot what my point was going to be. Someone else go. I'll think of it. Well, I'll say um, the to me the most memorable thing about this one is that sometimes you watch a movie that's like not that great, and you know it's okay, maybe straddling the line. And you're like, man, I wish there was just one thing in this that would start pulling me through and, and be entertaining. And then sometimes you get this, you get an actor who steps in to do the Lord's work and say, you know what? I know I'm in a dumb movie and I'm just going to go for it, man. And that is Stanley Tucci. In this oh movie. yeah. <laughs> as, uh, as Joshua Joyce. Um, He's pretty much a Steve jobs in the movie. Yeah. It's like a Steve jobs kind of character who's trying to use the transformium to, uh, you know, just make these products that like the idea being that you could have an iPod that would also then transform into uh, a toaster or something. And, and that, that unbeknownst to him, he's like, yeah, actually, it's you almost, it's almost fairly clever that the movie sets him up to where you're pretty sure he's a villain. Uh, but then it's actually revealed that when he finds out that he's being used by Megatron, who is returning in this film, um, he actually turns out to be like a good guy who wants to do the right thing. And so he ends up being part of the, the good guy gang for the last act. And uh, not a complex character by any means, but Stanley Tucci is just so much fun, especially in the final, like, a third of this film. Is that he's just, where he's um, like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, he's running around, with a, <laughs> running around with a bomb in a bag, trying to keep it from the Decepticons, and uh, he's with the, the the Chinese woman who's clearly just added into the film for Chinese box office. But uh, but yeah, he's 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 a blast in this movie. And uh, in terms of Mark Wahlberg being the new lead, uh, he's fine, I guess. Like this is the kind of series that I feel like Mark Wahlberg should be in. Like it feels like. These movies, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Mark Wahlberg in a Transformers film because it's like at just his right level, I suppose. I was just reading that before he was cast, there were rumors that Jason Statham would be the new lead, and I feel like that's a real missed opportunity because <laughs> I uh, Jason Statham Transformer movie sounds pretty brilliant to me. But uh, but Mark Wahlberg's fine. It's pretty funny to see Mark Wahlberg as like a brilliant inventor because I feel like even he knows that's stupid. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, this one's hard for me because, like, this is another one that I got to see for free in the theater, and I kind of didn't mind it while I was watching it in the theater. Watching it again, I was kind of, I definitely was less enamored with this <laughs> yeah, one. You're like, oh my uh, god, this is the longest one, right? This is the longest one, and I don't know. The, the action was so good in the last one that it's not even that it's bad here. It's just kind of, it's it definitely is just that's average and more of the same. And yeah, I don't know. This one's just kind of this one. I don't think is is horrible by any means because you, it's never going to be as bad again as number two. But this one is like a, the definition of a it's 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 just kind of there movie for me. Um, all right, yeah, I remembered what I was going to say, but Matt, I want you to to go first. 
this is my favorite of of the franchise. Yeah, and you I, I, love I, this one. What, what's, what was up with that? I, I acknowledge. Hey, you're all like, "This is great. This is amazing." Like, I didn't say. I didn't say amazing. <laughs> you didn't need to. <laughs> but, um, I, you are Trev. You you hit kind of the nail on the head. Stanley Tucci is is a boss in this film, and he he is kind of what what holds everything together. He's got enough of that charisma and just like he makes you laugh throughout to like keep your keep you from going insane from all the stupidity that's going on elsewhere and then dude's got giant dinosaurs man like how i don't know for me that's that that is just the selling point even if it's at the end of the film um plus like john goodman's awesome in this as oh the, god uh, yeah dude he's great <laughs> <laughs> that segues into the point that i wanted to bring up that I forgot uh, temporarily. Um, so we do get more or less. We have a, a new team of Autobots, which visually are a little better. You can tell them apart easier from the previous uh, team. That's because they're different colors, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they didn't got, just use like the same shade of gray. Uh, we got a murder-hungry uh, Australian one who's green. I don't remember the guy's name. Uh, we have Ken Watanabe voicing the uh, Japanese robot, who of course is like. In like samurai garb and is like the calm like you know Asian Zen stereotype because what's a Transformers movie without casual racism? Uh, and then God damn it, I hate I hate him. <laughs> he's awesome. I, I hate the Hound played by John Goodman. <laughs> God damn it, he's just so obnoxious. He's just are we gonna go kill some stuff? It's like all this guy wants to do is go out and kill things and. But, just he's but got, that's just, he's he's hamming it up and like he's got the big cigar and I you know I love yeah, cigars. Yeah, he, he so smokes like, a just, giant metal cigar that we're never <laughs> which we, makes which makes no sense. And, it and makes it, no sense. How do you do that? And it's it, I I think for a while I was like okay I guess it's just a robot sized cigar but then there's a part where he like throws it and it's like a metal thing and. A, I, the, the character doesn't make any sense. He's an asshole. He's obnoxious. He's uh he's Walter from the Big Lebowski turned up to like fifty. And there's actually a why- scene. There, there's a scene where they end up in lock, like like lockdown's floating prison, <laughs> and we find like lockdown has been capturing. You know, he's a bounty hunter, so he's been capturing different you know aliens throughout the universe, and they find this like one alien that he's captured and has held as a prisoner, and it like sneezes on on Hound, and Hound <laughs> responds by killing it. It's like shoots it and blasts it to pieces, and, and he calls like, it ugly. I, so he's oh, like, yeah, and the, those are our heroes, folks. <laughs> but. <laughs> I, I think that the whole thing, but by this point, there's so much like obnoxiousness that I, you either Im- learn to embrace it and just run with it, or like you revolt against it. And Bird's clearly chosen the path of like revolting. And I'm just gonna say like you have to take some of the stuff and try to enjoy some of it. So like Stanley Tucci is he's so, he's so much fun, and then you have John Goodman who's like the Hound is just he's he's stupid, but he's he's hilarious. No, I'm actually um, I'm, I'm I'm with you on this point, Matt. I think you're right in that, and I think that is the difference between I can see where so like Bird is just like so anti these films that he goes into all of them like ready to hate them, and and it's not like it's easy to go in ready to love them. <laughs> but I think I think you're right that after three and going into this one, I I kind of went with you in that I, I was just like you know what at this point I'll just be along for the ride on these. I might only watch each of them once. But there's there's stuff to find to enjoy, and they can be kind of fun. And you do start to the stuff that's really dumb starts to be silly. Um, and and one one thing I will say about this one is that in terms of like Hound and and Drift, uh, which is the Ken Watanabe Ken Watanabe one, and uh, the other uh, God, what's the other one's name? Whatever. Um, 
this kind of just the fact that I can't remember his name, I guess, slightly disproves my point. But <laughs> <laughs> this this is finally where after like the, the the initial trilogy, we do start to have more discernible personalities and looks for the Transformers. This is true, and that does kind of go a long way to helping the franchise feel like real movies or at least real what they're trying to be. Um, so that was it. Was nice to finally be like, oh, okay, that's like that's the John Goodman one, and that's the Samurai one. Like, at least uh, I could t- I knew who was who at this point. And uh, yeah. I I don't know why I thought I was starting to fall for this, but at the beginning of the movie, I was like, okay, this is a new cast. Maybe it's going to be like a new tone. And like one of the first scenes is one of the old Transformers like being stopped and like brutally like ripped apart. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> this is man. Th- that was the most like involved i've ever been to seeing the transformers movie that was crazy and then it's just back to the old same old same old crap <laughs> dude how do you how do you not like grimlock grimlock is freaking awesome i, I don't know even, I, I don't i barely remember the dinobots in this i don't know i mean like look, don't listen, you wish where are you familiar at all with the cartoon version of grimlock yes. who like talked and was really I, don't you wish he did that in this movie of course of course i mean like they're definitely dumbed down versions and they they resemble nothing you know like their actual uh, canon counterparts, but there, there's giant dinosaurs like wrecking the city, and they're huge. And like, it's just at, at that point, it becomes me as a kid enjoying the movie for what it is, and that that's why I like this film. Whereas, like in the other films, like I, they they truly dragged on for so long. With this one, like I didn't feel that way as much. And then, of course, I'm surprised you didn't talk about this because we talked about it so much, like in our little you know Facebook message thread or whatever. But like. Kelsey Grammer's death. <laughs> oh yeah, I was. I, I was. I was saving that moment because I was going to just talk about the end in general. Because um, I've shown this. I've shown this to them a couple times. But one of my favorite tweets of all time came from. I don't remember who tweeted it, but it was a couple years after this came out, and someone tweeted like, "Oh, I just remember that Transformers Four ends with Optimus Prime shooting Kelsey Grammer to death and then flying off into space." And that is that is legit what happens. Uh, yeah. Never mind get, the fact uh, that he couldn't fly ever until yeah, now. Yeah, suddenly at the end of this one, he can fly, uh, which is not explained. You wonder why he never did that previous. But uh, but yeah, he, he. I mean, it's brutal, too. He blasts Kelsey Graham. Uh, like, into the freaking wall. <laughs> oh and then at the end, he's like, peace out. And he just flies off into Doesn't space. Doesn't he dispatch the, the bounty hunter ro- robot I, the bounty brutally? The, I, the bounty hunter is the one that you were talking about. Okay, where he like... <laughs> Like yeah. punches through him and rips him in half or something. <laughs> oh, I do remember. I do remember Bird. Now that, uh, this just came to me, like, and uh, not that it's a super important thing, but I remember when we were watching it. I believe I made this observation where the action to this one isn't as exciting as the fo- as the third one. I thought because they like mute out a lot of the sound. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. They do. Ex- they that, they do a stylistic it. choice where they kind of cut the sound down. It's all like kind of played off of a uh, score or just like no music. And that like makes it less dynamic. It was a really bad choice, I think. Um. <laughs> uh. Okay. So. Um. What? Geez. Well, how many random kung fu guys in elevators do you give this one? <laughs> this one's a two for me. Two out of five, I'd say. Okay. Uh. I, I, I realize objectively. This is not a good movie, and it's it's not it's probably not even the best of the series. But but entertainment wise, and as much fun as I had watching it, because at this point, I, I just like said, you know what, screw it, I'm going to try to enjoy something of the series. I, this was like a three and a half, <laughs> which is higher. This is which is higher than I should ever rate a Transformers film. I know, 
and again, this is not an objective, like, how good is this movie? But, but like, I really had a lot of fun with this movie. So, um, okay. So the w- first one, I gave a one, two, I gave negative, negative <laughs> <laughs> three. I, what I do Two. this one is, this is a one and a half. I think it's, I like it more than the first one, but, uh, it didn't, it didn't, um, it didn't, it didn't, I can't even say like meet the the second one because the third or the third one because that movie still sucks but it's a one and a half it's not i I like it more than the first one but the the third one has has more perks to it i think so um now we get into transformers the last night which we were pretty confident that movie would still be relevant when we recorded this just because these movies were used to just them sticking around because people keep seeing them, but that didn't—that was an unexpected uh, uh, drawback here. Um, uh, our, our, we, we, we planned for this movie to be a success, um, so we would be able to release it a, f- a few weeks after it came out. But uh, I feel like <laughs> we never, we never, we never counted on the American audience wisening up. <laughs> no, we, we definitely Correct. didn't. Uh, so it's not as relevant as we thought it would be by the time this airs, but, um, I will say that this movie, uh, I think I, I'm going to let Trev run with this one cause, uh, he's oddly fascinated by it. Um, uh, so this is, uh, age of extinction. No, this is the last. No, one. oh, whatever, man. What? <laughs> uh, and this Even is, have broke you. <laughs> <laughs> this is where, uh, the transformers, um, we learned that they knew, uh, knew King Arthur and King Arthur's sword does some shit. I don't know. Trev, you, you, you pick up the ball. We, 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 so we are, we learned that the Transformers, um, were summoned by Merlin, played by Stanley Tucci, returning to the franchise as a different character, but he, also, he's but still pretty much playing Jack Sparrow. <laughs> he's pretty great as Tucci. I would, I would watch an entire Stanley Tucci Merlin movie. Um, and hopefully someone will finance that. But, uh, Merlin summons the Transformers to help King Arthur, and and it, and ever since there's been this like secret society of humans um, called the Witwickens, who <laughs> you, you get the, the reference to the original trilogy, um, <laughs> the Order of the Witwickens, who have always known about the Transformers on Earth and have been working for for centuries to protect the secret of them, and we learn that the Transformers have always have always been here. Um, Bumblebee fought in World War II. Uh, <laughs> Hitler was actually killed by a watch that he wore. There was a transformer. Uh, they, they helped. Uh, they helped uh, Harriet Tubman and the Underground they Railroad. Did. They, they were they helped the Underground Railroad. <laughs> they, they knew. They knew Shakespeare. They were helping Frederick Douglass. <laughs> they, they they knew everybody. Um, but unfortunately, like we also learned that the creators, the people who made uh, the the race that made the Transformers, are are not uh, nice people. And one of them has captured uh, Optimus Prime in space and turns him into Nemesis Prime, uh, an evil version of Optimus Prime, which is not that different from the Optimus Prime of the last two movies anyways. Uh, he's sent back down to Earth to um, help destroy Earth because what is also revealed in this film is that uh, the reason the Transformers have, have been on Earth all this time and kept coming back is that Earth is actually... Um, Unicron is a Unicron. Is that what the, the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Earth is actually Unicron, the sister planet to Cybertron, which uh, and it's and if uh, I don't know if they activate some magic bullshit that I remember, it will like completely <laughs> reconvert and and recreate Cybertron again. Um, and yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's it's just as incomprehensible as the rest of them. So, but let me talk about like what what Bird means by why it's it's fascinating to me. 
Um, I really did. I mean, I, I guess I'm alone here, but I had like such a blast this one because this was finally the one that was as stupid as I've always wanted them to be, but stupid in the way I like I really genuinely love. Um, it's it, it, like any other Transformers movie, too long, a lot of bad humor, offensive stereotypes, but it's just so it, it makes like bizarre decisions at every turn that I just couldn't believe. And I was sitting there like baffled by them. To the point where I kind of was laughing through the whole thing. And the <laughs> fact that it, t- it ties in King Arthur and Hitler, the fact that this like. Harriet this, tra- <laughs> this like Transformer, like, uh, or this like, um, I don't even know what to call it, this like talisman attaches itself to Mark Wahlberg. And throughout <laughs> the whole film, it's kind of like roaming all over his body, and we don't know why. And then it's <laughs> revealed that uh, at the end, it actually turns into Excalibur, and Mark Wahlberg wields Excalibur in a sword fight <laughs> against a Transformer. <laughs> Uh, it's just like stuff like that. It's so stupid that I, I just loved it. And then you have Anthony Hopkins as uh, the last remaining member of the Order of the Witwickens who, I mean, I, look, who doesn't love Anthony Hopkins? I think it's safe to say we all love Anthony Hopkins. And he, he, he was just, a lot of fun in this. I will he say. just goes for it in this. <laughs> like he's clearly like, you know, it's, it's not, it's that thing where he, sometimes people like, you know, I saw an interview with him where they asked, like, why are you in this? And he's like, oh, you think because I'm a serious British actor, I wouldn't want to have fun. And that's it. Like, sometimes these guys just want to cut loose. And he knows he's in a Transformers movie and just goes for it. Well, why is he such a grouch about th- being in the Thor movies? I don't know. But we'll see how the third one goes. Maybe with uh, Watiti in charge, he'll be better. But uh, but he's like, he's having so much fun in this. And uh, he's like the Tucci of this film, even though Tucci's also in it. And, the, and then, uh, well, I'm not going to talk about Cogman yet. Instead, I'll let you guys talk. <laughs> Uh, I am with Trevin that this movie, I kind of say what I said about the first one. If you took out all the extra stuff and just brought it down to the plot, which is all this dumb shit Trev's talking about, this would be a so bad it's good movie. Um, and this is the only one that I think even dips it. Well, you had the robot heaven and that would, that was like two minutes out of a 50 hour long movie. This one is the only one that I think fully, um, it's, it's the closest this series ever gets to being a truly so bad it's good movie. I will give him that. But there's just too much boring stuff in between all those f- fun moments that really just made me hate this one. But the, the middle part where it's mostly about Anthony Hopkins and his robot sidekick Cogman, that's, that, that was genuinely fun. Uh, the, that's the middle hour. And the fact that I have to describe it as being the middle hour should tell you <laughs> <laughs> should tell you why why what why this movie was so grating and irritating for me at times. But uh um yeah, I mean Anthony Hopkins, he's saying things like, Yeah, dude, and he's saying bitch and ride, man, and <laughs> it's it's all very surreal. Uh the Cogman stuff is the real attraction here, and I I'll let Trev get into that because that's a whole topic by itself. Um, the plot is weird. There, there's baby Dinobots for some reason. Does anyone here? Yeah, understand? I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it. There's baby Dinobots, which <laughs> which opens up a whole lot of questions about like, wait, are these things giving birth? And then later, there's a part where Hound says something like, "He's like, my dad never calls me." And it's like, well, you have dads? What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't understand any of that. Um, again, the Chinese market is being pandered to a lot. You have more Chinese product placement and soft drinks. There's a part where the, 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 the one of the annoying little leg humper robots is uh, looking at a Chinese, uh, 
like car, car lot um because yeah. like he's like i don't know why he's doing it um mark Wahlberg has a new sidekick that some uh i don't know it's it's, it's he's kind of like a maybe in his 20s uh black kid that he hired like um because gerard carmichael he's okay a comedian and yeah, like he's in hiding and he can't talk to his daughter, so you only get like a voicemail that may or may not even be Nicola Peltz. I read um, it was, but who knows? Okay, well, I mean, hey, we'll pay you to say a line of dialogue. Why not? Um, uh, the King Arthur stuff is ridiculous. Uh, finding out the Transformers like knew every important historical figure is. <laughs> Is ridiculous. And yet they're still so racist. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Do you think Mudflap and Skids helped Harriet Tubman? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Oh they're God. like part of the Underground Railroad. I wonder what those conversations yeah. were like. Oh Lord. Um. Uh, but yeah, all all the stuff that I really liked is stuff that Trev is going to get to as a a, a a a separate thing. So, um. Again, just just too long. But um. There. This one has. Probably the a higher frequency of just fun, stupid scenes that I genuinely thought were funny. Maybe for the wrong reasons, but still. Oh yeah, nothing for the right reasons. Well, <laughs> except for one joke, which I'll talk about in a moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, Matt. So run away with it with uh, with this one here. What run away? I mean, with you, your... you you guys kind of covered all the stuff. The the stuff that I found interesting is going to be the stuff that Trev talks about because it's it's really Cogman. Um, you have like Mark Wahlberg and his new like love interest sort of laura haddock who's vivian uh wimbley or whatever the the professor they have like all these weird like penis jokes in between it's just a lot of <laughs> bad like sexual humor that you know we we talk about you know ad nauseum in this pot in this episode but like they're so they're they're just it's so bad like there's the part where the uh, talisman goes down his pants for no reason yeah it's just <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, this this movie feels for me like I'm getting at my wits end at, at this point because like there's nothing special except Cogman was pretty awesome and there's a couple lines that he says and I'm not going to ruin those I'll let Trev because I think Trev might say them in his little uh, thing yeah uh, so I, I'll, yeah I, Trev I smell a segue here <laughs> yeah so let's well, just let's just go to Trev and I'll let you handle the Cogman stuff. Well, I, you guys both brought it up, so I'm glad I'm not alone in this. I think we'd all agree that Cogman is a pretty amazing addition to this franchise to the point where so much so that I, I'm willing to bet they didn't really realize what they had on their hands with him. Like, because he's not a Transformer, I don't think. <laughs> it's we, not we never established. We never see him transform. I just found there's a Cogman toy that transforms into an Aston Martin, and I'm like, why? He doesn't do that. He drives an Aston Martin, but he doesn't transform into <laughs> one. Um,. But yeah, so he's like, he's Anthony Hopkins' robot butler. And it's like, so most, because he's voiced by an actor from Downton Abbey. And most of the time, he's, he is like a kind of stock British butler type. But then the, the hook of his character is that he also has a split, he has like a split personality where at any second, he can transform into this like bloodthirsty, psychotic murder bot that just <laughs> wants to kill everyone around him. Is he even written that kinda, way on purpose, though? I, I I mean I would assume he was. Um, he's just such a weird. He's like a, a really weird, fascinating character. There's a moment where they're in a submarine, and at the end of a scene, he's just suddenly like, "I'll be right back," and, and he just runs off and shoots himself <laughs> out of a torpedo tube. And you're like, "Wait, what? Why did he do that?" Then you find out he did that just to go grab some fish to make sushi. Um, he uh, just started, like a, like Mark Wahlberg says something like kind of sexist to 
the the female character and suddenly Cogman just runs across the table and starts choking him. <laughs> uh, they're in a car chase and he actually uh, starts singing move bitch get out the way. That was the line I was talking about. <laughs> that, that part is great. And then he's actually responsible for what I consider the first legit good joke uh, in the entire Transformers franchise. Uh, there's a moment where Anthony Hopkins is kind of telling the backstory to Mark Wahlberg and, and uh, what'd you say your character's name was, Matt? You actually remembered somehow, but uh, uh, you talking about Vivian or whatever, Vivian, I think is her name. Uh, but he's telling him that like the whole backstory and the score is starting to like really like escalate as we are used to in, in moments like that. But then the camera pans up and reveals that Cogman is actually playing an organ on a balcony above them. And Anthony Hopkins yells at him. He's like, I'm just trying to make the moment more memorable. And then he actually, then they keep going and he starts singing like a, like a choir to do it again. And that joke was so good that I was like, well, that, that doesn't deserve to be in a Transformers movie. Um, <laughs> it's like, actually, that's a really clever meta joke um, about the, you know, the kind of uh, way music is used in films. So yeah, like Cogman is like, is like a, a real delight. Um, I was actually very disappointed at the shocking lack of Cogman merchandise at Comic-Con. Um, <laughs> Hasbro was there and they had Transformers stuff and they had a lot of toys for this film, but then they really dropped the ball on Cogman. I don't think they knew that people would respond to him though. Cause I have to like, you know, this film, obviously like any Transformers film and this one in particular, I think just cause people are sick of the franchise has been obviously really attacked and really, uh, you know, somewhat rightfully so brutalized, but I have seen a lot of people point that character out as a, as a highlight. Um, but that said, it's not like I want them to make like a Cogman spinoff movie or anything or have Transformers 6 be like full of him because maybe it's just the kind of thing where it's funny because he's just right. this weird little character in, in this movie, you know? Um, no, I, I agree. Cogman is is the best part of this. I, I mean, him and Anthony Hopkins, the middle part is like a Cogman-Hopkins buddy movie, and that's... That's why it's fun well, to watch. And, and you know what I'll say? What else I like about this? It's, it's, it's a double-edged sword because it's something I like, but then I also don't like it because I kind of drop the ball on it. Is they introduce a new character named Isabella, who is this young girl living in the wreckage of Chicago, um, kind of protecting the Autobots that are in hiding there. And she has a little robot. She has a little Transformer sidekick named Squeaks, who is actually the first. I don't know if you guys agree. I think it's the first Transformer that's like legit cute. In the series, maybe, but like the movie the, keeps telling him it's, uh, he's ugly. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, he's like actually cute in a way that like seems like it belongs in like a kids' film. Well, you know? what yeah. happened was yeah. they and saw I, the Force I, Awakens and they wanted their version. Oh, of, of course, BBA. yeah. But I mean, but it does work, and I and I liked her, and I liked that. I liked her and Squeaks together, and you're like, oh, this is the kind of bird. I'm thinking back to when you said the first film, like the stuff that worked as a boy in his car. And I was watching this, thinking like, man, if this movie was just about her and Squeaks, like this would be probably a good transformers movie one that kids could like but that might also have some stuff for adults who are have you know can it can accept the more childish side of it um and then frustratingly the movie just completely like drops her from the story like after the first act and then she returns for the finale but for no good reason um i just think they dropped the ball on her but i i like the addition of her i wish she was in it more um first scenes made me think that maybe there is some potential for the the Bumblebee film that's coming along since that's allegedly, you know, a film about Bumblebee and a, and a, and a young girl. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do want to say the nemesis prime thing is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, he, the, the, he's nemesis prime in space. First of all, Optimus prime doesn't even show up in this until like an hour, hour and a half in. And then he's nemesis prime in space all time. And then at the end, he comes down and tries to fight Bumblebee in them. And he, Bumblebee, for some reason, just remembers how to use 
his voice, which he does at the <laughs> very end of the first movie. He learns how to talk again, but then he doesn't do it for the rest of the series. He's back to just those sound bites. And then for some reason he can do it again here, and then all it took to snap him out of being Nemesis Prime was hearing Bumblebee's voice. Yeah, it's a real Save Martha moment. Yeah, I was about to say, that's exactly what it reminded me of. Plus, um, like, Nemesis Prime doesn't even show up until literally the end of the, like, the last ten minutes, it feels like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just dumb. And then after that, when he does turn good, they, they race down to stop the, I guess, the terraforming or whatever the machine is or whatever the hell's going on. Um, and they're like, all everyone gets there except for Optimus Prime, who gets there like 20 minutes late, even though he left before everyone else. <laughs> and he can fly. Yeah, and he can yeah. fly. <laughs> uh but I don't know. It, 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 it's it, there's there's some legitimately fun stuff, and I don't know if I'm like liking it the way I should. But uh, there's a higher frequency of legitimate fun in here for me than probably any of the rest of the movies. So, oh, we forgot. There's that scene where they're like introducing the Decepticons, and it's like Suicide Squad. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, we yeah. do have to talk about that. <laughs> So, yeah, they introduce this new team of Decepticons, and it's like Suicide Squad, where, like, it freeze frames, and they're, they have, like, their name, like, goes up on the screen in a crazy font, and, of course, there's, like, a, a couple really offensive uh, black stereotypes here, too, um, it, because, you know, they just can't drop the racism, um, uh, and, yeah, that, <laughs> when that happened, I just couldn't stop laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't there one that we, did, that we don't even see after that? Yeah, there's a, the one called, um, I think it's like Berserker, right? Who's like, who's so dangerous that they won't release him. Yeah, they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which assumes like they were, I'm sure the studio is probably like, ah, he'll be the villain the next one. Um, thinking at the time they still had a hit on their hands. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, with the submarine they're in, they do say is a transformer, but it just takes them somewhere and it never transforms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, alright, well, uh, you ready to do ratings for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Alright, uh, how many, um, uh, Transformers assisting Harriet Tubman's (laughs) (laughs) did you give this out of five? Matt? I'm gonna go one and a half only because of Cogman. I really didn't like much much else in this movie. Yeah, I, I'm with Matt. Uh, this is also this is a one and a half also. But I I, I, I I gave this the same rating as part four, but I do like this more. I just yeah, in see, good the, conscience couldn't give this any higher. <laughs> see, this one's a, this one is a tough one for me because I gave it a two and a half because um, I feel like it's a better film than part four. Um, like on a, even on like a technical like just movie level, I think it is, but it's still like not a great movie. But on a entertain, I'm I'm kind of it's more like what Matt was saying about the last one for him. On an entertainment level, I'm tempted to give this one like a three and a half. So maybe I should just average it out and say like a three, um, <laughs> which I guess ties it to the first one for me, but like in a much different way. And I will say that moving forward, if I'm gonna watch a Transformers movie from beginning to end, um, it's gonna be this one. I really did find this one to be. Yes, there's still some slow spots, and yes, there's still a lot of dumb stuff you have to sit through. But this probably has the most fun sequences for me. Um, so yeah, this I'd say this is actually my favorite one on, on an entertainment level. Even though I think the first one is the only one that's actually arguably a somewhat good movie. 
Okay. All right. If that makes sense. Fair yeah. enough. Now, earlier we asked the question. Well, first of all, I, I want to cap that off by saying, uh, fuck it, I'm done. I can't do this no more, man. I- <laughs> <laughs> I- now, you said that. Now, I-, I posed a question to you that I still don't, I can't agree with your answer. And I said, now, what if someone like like an Edgar Wright or um, a Chris Nolan, because he's <laughs> such a big Michael Bay fan, um, uh, David Cronenberg comes out of retirement <laughs> and says, I'm going to make Transformers 6, and but it's in the same continuity as the other films. And you said you would not watch that. That cannot be true. I don't that believe that be for true. a second. Yeah. <laughs> it would have to be a just complete... Okay, keep the continuity, but everything else has to change. Like the tone, the, everything has to be just fresh. Because I can't de- be dealing with this no more, man. I, <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, so, I mean, hey, if Bumblebee really is going to be something that's... Okay, sure, same continuity, whatever, but com- if this really is a new creative team that's going to give this a completely different feel, none, none of this stuff trickling in from these Bayformers movies, okay, we'll see, but I don't know. I just have my doubts, man. Um, I, can't, I can't do it, man. These are the way- As far as movie, like Hollywood blockbusters go, like I really would rather watch like a ghost rider or something like i really the mm, uh, first ghost rider <laughs> yeah oh my I gosh know. i don't know man uh, what just, is wrong with i you? really hate these man i can't do it uh okay so earlier we posed the before we wrap up earlier we posed the question why did the uh, outside of you know maybe a bigger um brand recognition and bigger merchandising presence Outside of those factors, what is it do we think uh, American audiences are latching on to that they aren't getting out of, say, a Godzilla or a, or, or whatever? Um, I'm not. Did we figure out the answer to that? And do you have any theories as to maybe why? Again, outside of the merchandising and brand. <clears throat> recognition outside of that is there something about the films themselves when you take the franchise names out of it that you think is attracting more people yeah it's i think it's two things i think it's the i do think it's the action i think for as much slack or flack i should say as michael bay gets from uh like cinema junkies and nerds I think they don't. I think they forget that actually a lot of the mainstream audience likes his action. Like they really, they really do enjoy how big and loud and bombastic it is. And I said to you guys when this all started, it was because. And yes, I was just kind of trolling you guys, but I said Michael Bay should direct a Godzilla movie, and then like you guys like wanted to murder me. Um, <laughs> we got for that. It, that. Was, it was called Final Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but, but my point was, I think like American audiences respond to this style of action more. And I will say, I, I I don't know how you guys feel about this. I do think one thing he actually does really well in these movies is the way he um, incorporates human characters into the big action with the giant robots. I think there's actually some sequences where that's done really effectively, um, where you know, like a, a person will be kind of running around on the ground with two giant robots fighting above them and. There's the moment where uh, Shia LaBeouf like latches a like a grappling hook onto Starscream's eye and is being thrown around by him. That, I think he films those scenes I, really that well. I do agree with, um, and that's something that every I mean every few Godzilla movies will exceed at that. But uh, I think mm-hmm. especially like my favorites of the Showa period. What I like about like the Honda movies and stuff is that the human characters' stories are always tied directly to what's going on, and then. 
they sort of got away with that, especially like I know you're a big Heisei fan, Trev, and that's fine. But yeah. but like a lot of like when you get into the later entries, the human drama is <laughs> it really does boil down to just people standing in a room and watching the monsters fight. And yeah, yeah, the the there needs to be some more connective tissue there. So I'll, I'll meet you on that one. Yeah, and then that ties into my second point, and this is one where it's more like, because you guys might roll your eyes when I, when I say this, but just let me explain. In terms of like getting an American audience, I think what people might like more about these than, say, the kaiju films, that we, especially the American versions of them that we've gotten, is that he does populate these two with human characters, and he kind of puts the emphasis on them. Like, it's clear he cares more about like the Shia LaBeouf comedy stuff than he does the Transformers, really, to a degree. Um, or like Mark Wahlberg and stuff like that. And I think you could say the characters aren't that great, but I think American audiences just like that more than just a movie where it's all about like the giant creature or the giant robot or the giant monster. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the fact that his films are just full of weird characters, at least for four films, you know, for a while, (laughs) people responded well to that. They're like, oh yeah, I like that Stanley Tucci's being weird in this and that there's also, hey, look, there's John Malkovich, there's John Turturro, there's John Voight, um, there's other people named John. Um, <laughs> just his movies have a lot of, they have a lot of interesting, wacky characters, and I think that's a thing that speaks to American audiences. Yeah. So, well, so I guess, I, I can see that because uh, they might not be good characters, and their storylines right. might not be good, but there is, a, there, there is a, <laughs> there's a certain investment there that you... You know, uh, I mean, Ford and Godzilla and, you know, uh, Hiddleston and Skull Island, like those, yeah. you know, the, the, it's, it's not even, it, it, some of that might even be by design too, is that I think that they're putting so much into the monster stuff that they almost, I don't want to say they're not trying, but they, they just aren't, it, the, the filmmakers aren't invested in the, the human characters. Right. It's something I've told you before about like what keeps me from being a, a bigger fan of kaiju films is that, of course, I like to watch giant monsters fight and tear up a city, but I also want to have somebody that I connect to. Yeah. And, and, and the, the Ford is not yeah. that. And, and, and the, the best ki- whatever, the, the, whatever the hell Hiddleston's name the, was. The best that. kaiju movies are the ones that, that do that. I mean, the original Godzilla or the, the Gamera trilogy, like those have like real solid human characters mm-hmm. and what is going on in their lives is directly related to what is happening with the monsters. So no, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that that's something where um, with the monster verse stuff, I, I, I think that's something where Michael Doherty and Adam Wingard doing the next movies. Hopefully they're, they're mindful of that. Yeah. I, I think we're leaving out a critical component in that sometimes I just think the general audiences are kind of, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're they they want that dumb, really stupid humor. Into like when when they go to a big blockbuster film, um, some of the reasons that they that they see it is like they sort of expect more like B mover humor in giant monster films. Like that's what they think Godzilla is all the time. And when they don't get that, maybe they're just you know they they're okay with it being a Transformer film. They're okay with it maybe even being in the Power Rangers film. We talked about that like weird couple jokes that were in the the latest uh, power rangers film or whatever um that that kind of humor goes over well with mainstream audiences for whatever reason it doesn't with us but it does with a lot of the mainstream audiences like when you talk to people about it they're like yeah i thought it was funny i'm like really but um 
I think that's kind of a big part of it, honestly. Like people are okay with really dumb, idiotic characters. <laughs> and, no, I think that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, like, right. I think it's, it's a big it's, part. It's of really it. easy to sometimes forget that. Yeah, no, I think it's easy to forget that sometimes you're in like you're actually in this minority by thinking this humor is like shockingly bad, you know? Because <laughs> right, yeah. you can certainly talk to a lot of people who are like. Oh man, TJ Miller, he was hilarious in Transformers 4. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, okay. Well, I mean, uh, look at the comedies that are successful every year. <laughs> I, I think they, usually they made Sausage bad. Party, guys. Like, Sausage yeah. Party was a movie that got written and made and funded. I don't understand <laughs> like how that happened. Uh, whatever. Um, that all that said, though, I'm not I'm not shocked that it finally reached a breaking point, right? And that and that number five was. You know, it's certainly not a bomb by any by any uh, you know stretch of the imagination, but not doing as well as the other ones. Well, it, it it really didn't do good here, and then I think they were really putting all their chips on the Chinese market to to carry it. And I mean that a lot of studios do that now. Like that's the the only reason we're getting a Pacific Rim two is because it was so huge in China. So. When, when even they were like, eh, we don't really want this anymore. And, you know, I was reading that they were, they, they started to find like an ironic, like, oh my God, I can't believe how bad this is humor in the, 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 the Chinese pandering and like just thinking it was ridiculous. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's the first time the Chinese audiences were like, they said people were walking out of the theater. They're just like, man, we've had <laughs> enough of this. <laughs> yeah, especially because, like, you know, like Michael Bay, as he it does a lot, you know, before this one came out, said it was his last one. Um, but I actually wonder if, because they always talk about how like studios actually know, you know, sometime before the film comes out, how it's actually going to do. And I wonder if he could just see the writing on the wall. And he was like, you know what? If these aren't going to continue to be giant, I'm just going to get out now. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think Bumblebee is going to be a very important film for them. I feel like if it, if it bombs, I think we will see. We, well, that'll be the end of it for a while. They'll, they'll reboot they'll, they'll, it. Kind of, they'll reboot, but they'll wait yeah. a bit. And, and, and when they do out. reboot it, they're going to make sure to like... I think probably follow the canon and structure of like the cartoon more and kind of go off. Yeah, of or... Uh, if Bumblebee is a hit, then they'll move forward with Transformers 6, but you'll still see that movie be closer to whatever Bumblebee was, right? Yeah. Which will probably be, I would, I'm assuming, probably dropping that Bay kind of humor and being a more family-oriented film. Yeah. All right. Well. I think we, we forget, too, like, this stuff was, this this has been over a decade, right? So, like, audiences changed the... But if you if you stack these movies back to, like, if you just put them and you, and you watch them like we did, which I marathoned them, you can't really tell that they were made ten years apart. The humor is all the same. Yeah, and I think well, part of the problem a, with these movies, like they, they didn't adapt, they didn't change at all. The humor yeah, is always the same. That's an interesting point too. I never even thought about that until the second you said that, Matt. But like people will talk about how like oh well, you know, see the audiences just got so sick of it now they realize it's bad. Um, and this one's the worst. You know, this part five is the worst. But let's just say as an experiment, what if part five had been part three? and three had been five. Would this one have been a huge hit, and part three would have been the one that bombs? I think so. Because like you said, they're mostly interchangeable. Yeah. It's not that this one was any worse, it's that it was the fifth one, and that people were just kind of done. I think we saw the same thing happen with Pirates 5 this year, where it's just like, nope, that's good. We're, we're, we're kind of finished yeah. with this. Well, <laughs> I mean, we live in not, now, I mean, the studios are just so eager to just make sequels that people don't want like ten years ago, we never this never would have reached part five, you know. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's trans. Any, anything else you guys want to say about this bullshit before we get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> 
Guys, we have talked on a podcast about Transformers for as long as a Transformers film is like three hours. This is three hours long. Uh, we're not there yet. We're we're still under two thirty. So I mean, we we can squeak by. Uh, the call is uh, almost three hours, but we BS. Oh yeah, it's because we had that um, BS yeah. So I mean, uh, obviously, giant robots and giant monsters are uh, two um, animals that share the same ancestors. Uh, and, you know, next time we go into giant ro- robots, we'll probably be talking about something you would expect more from a show like this. Uh, probably something more Japanese. Matt, I know we both just got that robot Red Baron DVD set. So, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, our next robot, big robot thing will be something a little bit more uh, <laughs> acceptable and hopefully something a little Ooh. better. Let me end this with a question that you guys might like because I can bring it back around to kaiju stuff. If the Transformers series was to keep going, but they wanted to, but they wanted to cross it over with something, what kaiju property would you like to see Transformers crossed over with? Hmm. I'm going to go back to some. It's not really kaiju necessarily, but like uh, I really did. You ever watch the show in Humanoids? Did you ever have you ever seen that? No, it's like when you said that, like it flashed some kind of thing in my mind, but I'm not sure I, I'm thinking yeah, right. So, so, it's actually, so like it's actually a Hasbro um, property. It's, it's actually in the same universe as G.I. Joe, but like they're they're basically like these giant monsters that, that fight these more or less like super soldiers and stuff. Um, but that would be pretty cool because like they're, they're, you know, giant monsters fighting giant robots and the, the monsters are actually pretty unique. Um, and it would still be within the the Hasbro family or whatever. So it's, I think that'd be pretty okay. pretty interesting. You know, I, Godzilla has enough mecha stuff already. Yeah, Pacific Rim is kind of I, its own unique world. You know, it's its own separate universe. I, I you know, I would actually say something that would match it on a level on a cheese level and could be fun is Power Rangers and, or Super Sentai, whichever. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, um, I'm not sure if maybe, like, there's probably is, like, fan art to this or something, but I feel like it'd be fun to see, like, an Ultraman Transformers crossover. I yeah, feel like uh, I could there, see those two there, worlds. I'm sure there's a Matt Frank drawing out there somewhere <laughs> with that, but, <laughs> but no, yeah, that, that, I, that would be fun, too, you know, get the Science mm-hmm. Patrol in there, yeah, there you go. Yeah, not and to be to be clear. I don't think any of us are talking about the Michael Bay version. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> that doesn't need to cross over. That anything. <laughs> no. But, <laughs> uh, but I, I well, I yeah. That's another thing because wasn't Paramount trying to plan like a big multi-universe thing where Transformers and GI Joe and Matt, all these other Hasbro properties would have? Yeah. Well, when they when they announced the the last night name, people thought that was going to be a reference to like Rom the Space Knight or whatever. Yeah, but, like, uh, there was supposed to be a big Hasbro version. Turned out they were just talking about Mark Wahlberg. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anyone that stuck around long enough hearing us BS about Transformers, thank you. Uh, We'll be back with some Japanese crap uh, later. Um, We have a lot of interesting stuff, some guests coming on, and uh, so stick around. Um, All right. Well, good night, everybody.